Welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast. This is episode and Pelosi. Some pundits are blaming Jimmy Dore as part of the reason Paul Pelosi was attacked. What are your thoughts? So I do see we have people waiting on the queue. Let's go ahead and bring in John. John, you are on the mic. Hello? Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Just going down the street to the store. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool, cool. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I don't want to derail things, but I actually wanted to just uh, say, uh, chat with you quickly about uh, your segment on Rising today, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem, Bob. Yeah, no, I thought I thought uh, it was really great. I wanted to know who was the who was the other panelist because like I think you made them seem really out of touch. You know, like they were kind of framing everything in this like very like well the Democrats versus the Republicans. And I I just thought you did such an excellent job of just being like, well, who cares about the the you know the D or the R? Why don't we you know look at the actual policy issues? And I thought that was just that was just really great. Thanks so much. Um, I forgot his name. Uh, sorry, uh, it's been a busy day, but um, I, I do remember that he works uh, with the for the Biden administration. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I understand. Like, you know, obviously there are certain things that he's not going to be able to say because he has to keep his job. But um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I just felt like he's out of touch. And I feel like that's the way a lot of like coastal uh, liberals are. They're out of touch with what working class people and poor people actually need in this country. And this has been a recurring theme that I've been seeing for a while, actually. And I don't know, hopefully more people are starting to wake up. I thought people would have woken up after Trump because I, I mean, it's. It's important for people to understand that the reason why someone like Trump was able to come in and win is because of Obama's economic policies and how they failed working class people. And also the same reason for this as well. I think it's important to point to the fact that you had people in this country that voted for Obama twice, those two time Obama voters that turned around and voted for Donald Trump. And that's that's purely economics there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the point he made that I just thought was so silly, and I do think, you know, the coastal elite point you're making uh, is really resonates is because, you know, that that panelist was saying, oh, well, you know, uh, Hillary did well with voters who, who thought the economy was their top issue. But it was a completely different economy. Like, you know, I think what a lot of these coastal elite people don't understand is that, like, because for them, the economy is always good, you know. So for them, they don't understand the difference between like, well, economics might be an important issue, but if the economy is good, maybe it doesn't, you know, affect who I vote for. But if the economy is bad, <laughs> then, you know, that might make a huge difference on, on, on how I, on how I vote. And with, you know, with inflation and everything, it just seems like they're burying their head in the sand, you know, like people are freaked out about this and it's, it's, sh- I'll be shocked if it doesn't show up, you know, next week and what, you know, and how people vote. Yeah, I, I think you brought up some interesting points there. Something else, like, I would ask everyone to pay attention to, like, how expensive are the grocery store prices, right? Like, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, why is a loaf of bread now, like, $7? Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, it just seemed like the, the gentleman, like, 
I felt like he was really out of touch. You think the American people can't see the prices when they go to the store? Right. Yeah, like they think that if you give them some abstract jobs number or some random stock price that like that that's going to make some difference in the mind of your average American who doesn't invest as opposed to, yeah, like the price of gas, the price, you know, I forget what I was listening to recently, but, you know, and this isn't even an inflation thing, but just like, you know, the cost of healthcare over the past decade, you know, like how much insurance and premiums and co-pays have gone up. I mean, like it just, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks for, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to, to say, I really appreciated uh, your work on the segment. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, um, John. Thank you so much for calling in. Let me go ahead and I'm trying to pay really quick, you guys. Just give me a second. Just got to punch in my code here. Thank you. You too. Okay. Let's see who we got. Let's bring in Danielle. All right, Danielle, you are on the mic. Hey, guys. Hey, Sabby, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. So um, on the... Um, on the Pelosi thing, I just wanted to say um, really quick, uh, regardless of what side he was on, um, this was something George Carlin would say a lot is, you know, people are always going to be wild, whether they're, you know, Christian fundamentalist, you know, whatever fundamentalist and just plain guys from Montana, you know, that was his joke of it. But, but you know, the point of that is that even our faction of people, like there is no faction that is exempt from people that are are crazy or might do wild things like that but um i think regardless of if if he's left wing right wing like there's always going to be um people in any groups that wild out like regardless of the group and no group is exempt from that but um the story is wild because it's i mean obviously any political like Pelosi, the Clintons, any of them, these are people that are loved and hated equally by masses of people. And they have a mansion and it's very hard to believe. Like you said, like, how did he get in the house? Like, I just don't understand. Like with the doors unlocked, like how did he get over the fences? I imagine they're there and like through the rose garden and the shrubbery. Like, I don't understand um, that, but um I actually wanted to bring up another point, uh, something that we were talking about the other night, and then I actually, um, it was bothering me, um, and I started thinking on it more, but um, when, I, um, when Ayanna Presley um, mentioned that she was threatened, and then AOC and some other people, and then we talked about it, and we talked about threats, and I and other people have said, you know, we wish they were more transparent. And then I started thinking about that more and thinking about what kind of threats, like threats like to pull funding from your district, like threats where you feel physical, you know, you're, you might be in physical harm or people tapping your phones. Are they, are you being followed? Like what kind of threats, you know? And then it got me thinking, wow, like they're being threatened. They're, they're so threatened that they're voting along with the Democrats. They're doing all these things that are blowing our mind. And then it got to me thinking, like, want to put that out there, like, these threats are so immense, 
um, to AOC and the squad. And then I thought about Mansion and Cinema. So they must not get these threats, those threats, when they're not, you know, when they're supposedly going against the agenda and, oh, these are the two that are stopping us from getting these things done. So they must not get those threats, huh? That was a point that I wanted that to make. Yeah, that's a really good point that you brought up there about Joe Manchin and um, Kirsten Cinema because I don't think they are getting threatened. I think that's why they're behaving the way that they do. They know that they're protected. Now, the question is, who's protecting them? Obviously, I've said before, we've seen where the Senate parliamentarian has even stepped in to protect Joe Manchin. So I think that, you know, this is this is all it's it's all a game. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Joe Manchin is definitely, I think he's protected by uh, Big Coil. I think he's protected by the oil industries, by the pharmaceutical companies. I think he's protected by the fossil fuel industry. I think he has that protection from, believe it or not, I think he's protected by Joe Biden as well. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going with that, is that it, I don't think they are getting these threats um, from the, but I think that they are they are similarly used at the same way. Even though Pelosi might get on, you know, the news and say, "Oh, we're so upset with them; they're not voting with us." And then behind closed doors, it's like you're doing the right thing. Thank you. That's I know you're going to get some heat for this, but this is the right thing for the party. Like these are things that are probably most likely happening behind closed doors. And um, same thing with Biden and the Lula thing. Like, that's great that he made it appear like that, like he was happy and that they were happy that Lula won the election. But history, anyone that knows the history has shown that they've always supported right wing dictatorships um, all across the global south. So that's right. That's and right. all over the world, for that matter. Anything that went that was even a lean towards uh, more social programs and progressive like policies, they went against those leaders. So forcefully at times, uh, most of the time too. Yeah. Right. At point. So then why would they go with the squad? Yeah. And well, I think this is, squad is going with them. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is something that, you know, the rest of them have figured out is like, they got to play the game or, they could lose their seat. I mean, a good example of this is, uh, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You had a good example. A good example of this is Kurt Schrader, right? So Kurt Schrader lost his primary this year, Democrat uh, representative. And Kurt Schrader, he actually was a corporate Democrat, right? Took money from Big Pharma, Blue Cross Blue Shield. If you look at the voting records, Kurt Schrader, actually voted along with Joe Biden less than members of the squad. And he lost his primary this year. So there's consequences that go along with this. If you don't vote along with them and do what they want you to do, you could lose your seat. Now, the question I have is why is Kurt Schrader, why was he voting along with Joe Biden less than the squad? Mm -hmm. Cause they were more visible. Mm. Um, he they were more of a threat because at one point they had a coalition at one point they had us uh, they don't anymore but they have something else now and it came at the perfect timing for the democrats because it looks all too well like pelosi and schumer i think i've said this before are kind of um 
their politics and not even just because of their age, but they're aging out. They're, they're not liked. They are, when people think of Democrats and the Democratic Party, they, these are the people that are visualized a lot of the, you know, the leadership, the Pelosi, Schumer, and they need new faces. They need new popular faces and they don't have our backing anymore, but the people that kind of the Democrat, the, the Democrats that were not liking the squad in the beginning, they like them now. They, they are backing them now and they will more so into the future. Like, I think these are the new breed of Democrats. Like, these are the new Democrats. The squad is the new demo, the new faces. That's right. I think it's important for people to remember Nancy Pelosi was once progressive. When she first entered into the house, she was progressive. She was in agreement for universal health care. Okay. I don't know if everybody knows this, but there's old footage. You can find it. Uh, CJ played it on RBN one day. It's from the early nineties when Nancy Pelosi was advocating for universal health care. But you see how that went, you see what happens. So this is why I, I said like the progressive people going in, they just get swallowed up by the democratic party mm-hmm. and they're not going to get those policies passed. They get lobbied. Yep. Even if they, they get did. lobbied by the money, they get lobbied by the power. Um, maybe they feel hopeless because maybe they feel like they can't change. That's where, like, where if they were going to have a chance, if these things were happening, they would have had to have figured out a way to be transparent with us because moving forward, it can't just be that we can't change it. Like it's, it's difficult, but I think that we can, but not with, not if you don't lean in, like you have to lean in and they would have, they would have needed our help. They would have needed the support of us and they didn't, they, they didn't come to us. And, um, and I don't know if like that would have made any chip, but, and now it's too late because now they have lost us. They've tainted, um, They've, you know, they've, they've stained, you know, the name progressive um, and what that is in the party now. Like we would have to like weed that out. You know what? You're right. I, but I also think this is why they don't go. Um, they don't appear on left independent media anymore as well, because they know that we're going to hold them. Account. We're going to ask them some questions. They know that they see. I'm pretty sure they see these interviews that Rokana has done you know, where he's kind of chewed out or people are pushing back on him. Like, this is why they don't go on to left independent media because they know that they're not upholding those principles that they ran on. They know they're not. Absolutely. I'm not even sure. I mean, this is just my theory, but I mean, and they could be allowing Roe to do that as well. Um, It's great that he does and that it's seemingly looking like he's pushing back, but I don't even know if I believe that anymore. Um, because he's so wishy-washy and back and forth and fickle and, um, and, um, yeah, so, but I don't know where to go from here. Um, how, what are your thoughts on, uh, Twitter? I was wondering, and, uh, the people that are, I, I'm kind of surprised because they had to know, especially in the beginning that things were going to be wild, you know, in the beginning, And I, you know, like I fully expected it to be like it is and to see it going on, you know, and seeing 
people saying they're leaving and what's and but um a part of me is sad because i am a little worried that if it gets too crazy if he changes too much or what might could happen because it is like the social town square um where we all meet and and talk and communicate with each other so and i'm sure we'll find somewhere else from here but uh, so much of us have already disbanded after the movement i would hate for us to be disbanded any further i guess if that makes any sense yeah that does make sense uh well i can tell you like one thing that we noticed at rbn the moment elon musk took over we gained hundreds of followers what i'm not kidding like i went from just like my solo account I, at that point in time i think i had 25.4k followers right i now have 27k the shadow ban was real oh yeah we were definitely suppressed same thing with the rbn twitter account we gained we were gaining like hundreds of followers i was like has, has anybody noticing that like you guys check your follower account and so that means like what our suspicions were, which were true, is that we were being heavily suppressed. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure uh, one thing I always go to check is not that I, I'm not a big fan of hers anymore, but I'm sure in a lot of people, uh, the Tulsi Gabbard Hillary uh, Queen of Warmongers tweet. When you go to that tweet, it's got that full cap on it. It's only got like a little bit over, I think, like 240,000 likes. But I I know I have absolutely no doubt it would probably have over a million likes if it didn't have the shadow ban on it. But I still mm -hmm. have to re-like it every time just for principle. Um, so I know it's not the shadow ban is still is still present. And I do. I hope he fixed that because it fixes that. And because um, it's an issue, it can sway. It can sway you know, popularity of a thought and it's important, um, whether that, you know, to know if a thought has, you know, just, it is, it, it's just important in so many different ways, but, um, yeah, it's really interesting I do hope like, that, that happens. I will see accounts show up in my Twitter feed that I don't even follow, but I will see them show up multiple times throughout the day. Like Brian Taylor or Tyler, Brian or Tyler Cohen, Brian Cohen, whatever. Anyway, he has like a show or whatever. He's he's a liberal, vote blue, no matter who, Democrat dude. He he shows up in my feed multiple times throughout the day. I do not follow this dude, but people that I follow, they don't. I don't even see them show up every day. Same. It's very strange. It's very strange. But um, this whole thing here with um with um the the Pelosi situation um with Jimmy Dore I think it's just I think it's dangerous to make those kinds of comments that well this person had uh, a Jimmy Dore thing on there and it's been multiple people I think majority report has said this as well and I'm sorry like they want to get him thrown off of platforms and you can see that whether whether they realize, and I have no doubt that some of them absolutely that that is their absolute goal. Um, but they want to get him silenced or 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 thrown off a platform, so they're grasping at straws and trying to do so. Um, and they they just they're going to keep going. Um, so I you know Jimmy's going to do what Jimmy's going to do, but and he has no. Um, and he's already on a different, uh, on other, um, platforms as well. But, um, as far as like his YouTube goes, um, 
because YouTube has to follow Google and they are following, like I pointed this out to a friend because Google will even tell you, like if you, you can Google, Google, why are you hiding information from me? And Google literally points out and says, we, you know, in law with this and in law with this. And at the end it says because of government censorship. So it's not even like um, these platforms, some platforms may not even have a say. Elon might not have a say in the end. Um, unless he's, you know, they, and it just depends. I also think that's why he's doing that. Um, the edit button, I think now you can add that edit button. I think it's four ninety nine and a couple of other things. Um, cause I, I understand his point cause he's saying we can't rely completely on advertisers. And I'm pretty sure that what he means by that is as if people are going to free speech it and then. You know, people are going to say, oh, bo boycott such and such. They're advertising on this and blah, blah, blah. And that starts happening and they start losing money in advertising. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's why he's doing that. Because I was really excited for the edit button. But I'm like, no, I'm not paying $4.99 for it. I'll fuck my grammar. I have the edit button, but only because like those of us at RBM, we signed up for Twitter Blue. Like, a, I think about a month or so ago. Because we got tired of having to, we were trying to clip a video and everything was only like two minutes and 20 seconds. You couldn't go over that. And that was annoying. And when we saw you get the edit option. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. As a business, you should. I was, I'll keep my, um, my peasant Twitter. Though. <laughs> just for now. Yeah. It's just for now. For you. I think it's, you know, he's, he's making some changes and some people don't like it, but I did notice like all these accounts came back, like all these people that had been banned and um, Scott Ritter came back. Like, it's just, you know, it just goes to show you like Elon Musk was like, I'm going over ghost bands and shadow bands. And I'm like, yo, like what the, what the hell were people doing there at Twitter? Like they were shadow banning all these people. And I think Brianna Joy Gray had mentioned this one time before that, she had gotten like all these followers and then it just plateaued. Like she was never getting like an increase. And I'm like, that is very strange. So I think a lot of people were experiencing this. Like they were definitely shadow banning us. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to go, it goes to like a deeper point to that too. And it also goes to like a, how are we going to fight this? Like, how do you fight this? And how do you like, what do you even do about it? Because the reasons and what they're doing and with the government censorship is, and they're, and it's not in good faith. Um, maybe some of it is, but, but, but it's, it always ends up punching down in, and, um, but they're want to, they're, they're parenting us in a way, oh, well, you know, it might not be a good way for you to think this. So we just don't even want you to see this content so that you're never even going to even hear of this. So you could never think of this or, um, and they're absolutely deciding that in all these different, um, um, areas and for that too. And then also their added benefit of hiding all kinds of things, hiding their crimes, hiding who's paying for what, hiding, like it's a giant, it's a giant circus. And like, how do we even begin to fight that? It's like really ridiculous, Sabby. And uh, sometimes it feels hopeless. Plus. I hear you. I hear you. But I mean, some of the changes that he's made, I think, are, are really good. Like, I think those shadow bans and ghost bans do need to be removed. And, you know, it's just it's it's too much censorship and it's, it's gotten to be a, a bit much. Um, but, Danielle, thank you so much for calling in. I want to make sure I get to the next caller here. Absolutely. Thank you, Sabby. Have a good night. You too. OK, we're bringing in Tim. 
Hello. Hey, Sabby. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I was just calling in to say hashtag um, Jimmy Dore hurt my feelings too. He told a fat joke once. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Jordan Sheridan. He has, oh my gosh. I don't understand what he has against Jimmy Dore that would make him go down this route. Like, it's real, it's so revealing. Like, he had a tweet the other day that said, it was about Jank Uger, and he said, I didn't have it in my bingo card that Jank Uger would declare, would declare Republican before Jimmy Dore or something like that. And I was like, Republican? I'm like, do you fucking watch his show? Do you know? Like, you know, I mean, it's just like, who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, here's, here's my point. He could have made that statement about Jink without Jink. He brings in Jimmy Dore every chance that he can get. And so what was really interesting to me, mm -hmm. you know, he made a little smart-ass remark about RBN. And he said that RBN, every time I, I turn around, all they do is just talk about podcasters and they shit on David Sirota. And my thing is, is, motherfucker, you talk about Jimmy Dore every week. Right. <laughs> my language, you guys. But you talk about Jimmy Dore every week, and you're going to complain about people talking about podcasters. Really? Right. So that that He's... was hilarious to me. A subscriber sent that to me and said Jordan Sheraton lied on you guys and basically tried to say you guys weren't on the ground and da da da. First of all, if you look at the RBN channel, oh my, what? It's our summits. We just did an activist summit. We did a general strike summit. By the way, I didn't see anybody else do an activist summit that had all these union leaders and organizers come on to tell you what their organization is about and how you can join their organization. I didn't see anybody else have these these uh, activists come on that tell you how you can start your own union. It just it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We have 10 demands. Nick co-founded 10 demands, which he always does a 10 demand segment at least once a month with the other co-founders. But leave it up to Jordan Sheraton and all we do is talk about podcasters because because CJ did one stream that I remember one stream where he called out what David Sirota did. So because somebody said something mean about your friend, you decide to say, oh, that's the whole whole network. We could say the same thing about you bringing up Jimmy Dore in cases where it's absolutely irrelevant. It's just ridiculous. It's hilarious to me because one of the things I just want to say is like, oh, OK, you got a problem with RBN talking about podcasters. How do you feel about the Vanguard then? Because you go on there pretty often and that's all they do mm -hmm. is talk about podcasters. But since they're white, they get a pass. You see how this works, Tim? Oh. And, and to say, like, even go back to the part about not on the ground, like, but, like, you doing what Rome doing? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh. Well, the thing is, he knows us being on the ground, but he tweeted it. He's retweeted it. So that's he's being dishonest. He's See, and that's what... Oh, that's what that's what gets me is that he's like what like what's 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 making this happen was it is he being threatened by the deep state is he you know did he finally give in to the money he got a baby on the way so now he got to do some shit to make some shit happen like I don't know like what 
it's I'm baffled. It's that whole like he's a part of that Breaking Points network now. So you know they. Oh, he did join them, huh? Yeah. Oh, so. So he not gonna feel Jimmy either, and they ain't gonna add anyone to that network that's friends or close with Jimmy Dore. It's such a tribal space. It really is. Like all of this hate and animosity towards Jimmy Dore. A lot of this stuff started right after Force the Vote. Yeah, when a lot of people got revealed. They hate they hate the fact that Jimmy Dore stood behind that and made it as seen as he did and called out people for who they truly were. And it 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 uh messed up their hustle. Right. I mean, and to see all these same people that said we should go out there and fight if the DNC tries to rig it for Bernie again in 2020. To see all those same commentators, mm-hmm. not all of them, some of those same commentators now simping for Joe Biden, such fucking sellouts. And I don't care. I'll tell them that shit to their face. <laughs> I will too. Yeah, that's what that's what we need to do. Like that's why that's why I said like I, I I like when this kind of shit happens because it reveals people for who they are, you know, and that lets us know. So I know now who my enemy is. I know who. Who you are. You know what I mean? You, you made you revealed yourself. Yeah, it's really revealing, you know, but it's just the thing is, is like, it's one thing to criticize someone. It's another thing to add somebody to an attack. Right. And I don't know how you even come up with the logic. He just had to throw Jimmy Dore and it has nothing to do with Jimmy Dore. Like, fucking wacko. Like, it really makes me think how much influence does Jimmy Dore really have? You know what I mean? It's like, is he really that influential now that it's like they really trying to go for him at every stop? You know what I mean? When something that has nothing to do with him, they're going to try to tie it to him in some, you know, some way, find some type of thread to try to hook it to? But see, they're going to really try to take him down now. You know why, right? So it turns out he was right about that. He was the first one that was right about the squad. He was right to call them squad uh-huh. uh, frauds, right? So there's that. Fraud squads. So they're, yep. like, they're seeing in real time Jimmy Dore's statements come true about the squad. So that's a problem. The other problem is the fact that when Jimmy Dore was doing a lot of those segments about the COVID, um, about the vaccine and stuff like that, everybody's saying, uh-huh. crazy conspiracy theories about the vaccine. Blah, blah, blah. Now, the CDC's new statement confirms <laughs> the CDC's statement now confirms that the vaccine does not protect you from the virus. Right. And it was never tested on humans. I'm telling you, man, he got it right. And they shouldn't have some crazy that he's getting things right and they're wrong on the issues. The same people who were telling people we have to have these mandates, it should be mandated. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, you guys sound like the State Department. You guys sound like MSNBC and CNN. What happened to being a lefty? Right. But, uh, but you know, if that's all you know, who got bought out? Like, who, who's in it for the money? 
You know, Jimmy Dora during the COVID was telling people, don't pay me, cancel it, hold on to your money. You know, we're all having bad times now. What was Jank Uger doing? What was Jordan Sheridan doing? Like, Jank Uger was saying, become a TYT member, join Cool emojis of me and Anna and JR, become a member. Hey. <laughs> and they'll get progressives elected. <laughs> yeah, and, and all these sponsors. Here's a message from our sponsor. Here's a message from our sponsor. The rest of us don't have sponsors. Right? <laughs> but it, it, it's revealing though but yeah I just wanted to express that and I already had to kind of canceled my Jordan thing when he was the first time he went after Jimmy and I was like well, what is this dishonesty this is this is this is not right and I thought he was just misinformed about shit, but even after now, I thought he would have come around after all these articles that are coming out confirming what Jimmy was saying. You know, not Jimmy, but what them doctors Jimmy had on were saying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like what they were saying a year or two ago. Like now these articles are coming out confirming everything that they were saying was correct. You know, but, but everybody feels like a dumb fool because they, they followed Science. Like, really? Did you? Like, <laughs> science, science is questioning. I knew it, man. I called it. I said, why? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Too revealing. <laughs> well, uh, I'll let you go ahead and get on to your next call. Thank you so much, Savvy. Keep up the good fight. All righty. Okay. We're going to bring in Delthea. You are on the mic. Hello. Hello. Now, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. All I got to say is this. Jimmy Dore needs to sell his house. Because he is living rent-free in about a million people's minds right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm... Mm. <laughs> I, I listen to Jimmy every now and then. I started listening to Jimmy Dore back when he was still on the David Feldman show. Years and years ago. And, um, I mean, I like Jimmy. I don't like him as much as I like your show, but I like him. And I don't always agree with him, but I don't feel like I need to try to beat up on him. I don't need to try to blame him for every bad thing that happened. I'm surprised they're not saying he didn't shoot Archduke Ferdinand and start World War One. I don't know what the hell these people are doing. I don't know either, uh, Delthea. I mean, I started to get suspicious when I started to see certain people smearing him every week. I was like, okay, either you guys are ops, you're fed, or you have another agenda. Because mm -hmm. that's, just, that's just ridiculous. You smear the same person every week. Hell, I don't even talk about AOC every week. Thank you. 
it's just it's weird it's it's very strange very strange they have just they have just decided they have decided to fixate on jimmy and i and i don't i don't i don't get why i really don't but you know it's like i said you know he he's, he's done it all all the bad things of history he's done them even though he wasn't born yet he, he still did them mm-hmm. but that's all i wanted to say Y'all have a good night, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Delthea. You too. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Anthony, and I also want to ask um, Anthony, in in reference to this, what do you think about this this incident here with Paul Pelosi's attacker? There just seems to be a lot of holes in this story. Yeah, I mean, the way the guy said it on the 911 call, it sounded like, Paul said David was a friend, but I mean, maybe the you showed a comment that said maybe that was David saying he's Nancy's friend. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just the way it came across on the call. But the glass being broken towards the outside, that's a little weird. And um, that's all I have to say about it right now. The politicization of it is ridiculous. It really is. And also like the fact that this happened like right before the midterms, like I don't, it just like the midterms in a couple of days, you guys. Right. So to me, this is all just a little strange. It's like, how did he get in? Like, how did he get in? Who was this third, you know, mysterious person that opened the door for the police that all of a sudden the police can't remember? What do you mean an unknown person? You didn't ask them what their name was when you walked into the house. I find that to be suspicious. Cops usually will do that. They'll ask you for your name, your ID, your identification, at least, right? How do you mean some unknown person opened the door? Who was it? Mm, There, yeah, it seems like there's something strange going on, but that doesn't surprise me. It's crazy. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. I can't. October surprise. That's what it was. Yeah, oh there's, so there's some of that. And and also, like, how did he even get over, like, the gate? Like, it's just, I don't know, man. This is weird to me. It's weird. Yeah. I got, well, I got 500 cop sirens running by me. It's crazy. But um, I don't know what's going on. But um, I was angry when I saw Obama and he's like, oh, we have a process and I'm talking right now. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem, Obama. You're always talking and you're just saying nothing. You're just bullshitting. Like that's that's the point. You just want to talk and it's a one-way conversation and you're you're a smooth talker, but it's horrible. And uh I said Gretchen Whitmer was up there on stage going shh like trying to quiet down people. <laughs> hey, she's horrible. Man. She you know, really, really is. She, um I don't think I told you guys about this, but when Obama came to Boston a couple years ago, like there was a video, I'm going to try to see if I can still find it on YouTube. There was a video about Obama's visit to Boston and he was supposed to go to Dorchester, which is a neighborhood in Boston. Um, And that's, you know, it's a working class neighborhood, right? Although there's some gentrification going on there now, but there was a, a couple people in the video that lived there and they said, I don't care that Obama's coming here. He never came here before. Why is he trying to come here now? So mm, maybe there's some property interests. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even back then, I think some people started to see I don't know. Maybe he's Barack in the- Obama. 
Oh, no, no doubt. Well, did you see? Uh, no doubt. Yeah, these politicians, they're a little, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, they, they think highly of themselves. Ilhan Omar, she said, you don't get to tell me what my votes mean unless. It's like, uh, no, you're a representative. That's exactly what people get to tell you. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That, these, uh, what do you call it? Cocky. That, I don't know what you call these politicians. Just all of them across the board, left, right, blue, red. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of cockiness like to it. Um, I think that, you know, people change. Once they get in, they change. And even the ones that said they wouldn't change, you know, if you look at someone like Cori Bush, like she's very quiet now. That wasn't the Cory Bush that we were introduced to. You re- you rarely hear her speak now. For those who are not aware, like you rarely hear her speak. She doesn't talk about defund the police anymore because she's not allowed to. Yeah, you know, it's just I yep. feel like they weren't they weren't ready for this. Yeah, they weren't ready to be behind Joe Biden, who said his son died in Iraq and. That. That's crazy because that didn't happen. But all right, good night. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anthony. All right, looks like we're bringing in Ashura. You are the next caller. You're on the mic. Hello, Savvy. What's going on? Uh, nothing, just listening. Uh, I want to say, though, wherever Tim is, if he's working at a kennel next time, going to a sound- soundproof room, all that noise, I couldn't even bear, I couldn't listen to you. <laughs> I think that might have been his dog. I'm like, the dog was crying. I'm like, just feed the dog, man. And then I hear chains. I hear noises. I'm like, dude, where are you? Where are you? Even Bad Cookies was making fun of it. He was like, man, this dude must be working at a kennel or something. I'm like, really? He's like, I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, dear. He was right, though. Uh, Jimmy should buy a new house. He or just move into inside their heads, man. It's like, come on, really? You're gonna tell me that Jimmy Dore's like a fucking vampire that's been living for years? I was gonna ask you, is, does Jimmy drink blood or something? Because how how is he responsible <laughs> for every fucking thing that's going on around around the country? I don't know, man. I just, but you know, people have to be careful about saying those types of things when you're trying to blame or maybe not necessarily blame but you're trying to point to someone else as possible motive for a crime on your show, you have to be careful about that because, I mean, is this slander technically? Well, if it's, yeah, that's what it is. Like, I know Jimmy isn't going to sue, but I would have fucking sued her anyways. I would have sued every single one of them that that came for me. Like, Jordan Sharon is, like, the worst one. He probably thought that if he went under breaking pits that he was going to, he was going to probably go boost by uh, 120K subs, but he's been stuck. Probably because he keeps talking about bringing up Jimmy Dore, because even in some of the videos where it's supposed to be about labor or about midterms, Somehow Jimmy Dore's name gets thrown in there and it's just like probably because he keeps shitting on Jimmy Dore so people leave. Yeah, well, it's not only that because uh, I've heard so many people say that Jordan Sheridan, he's like a great uh, fucking reporter. And I've heard Rome say it and like he's not a great reporter. He's a decent reporter. And, and I, I've gotten to back and forth with his goddamn stands 
where to the point where it was like, oh, but Jordan Sheridan basically talked about Flint, Michigan. Like he he brought it he brought it up to the he brought it up to to, to to the to everyone's eyes. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You didn't think the people of Flint, Michigan didn't know they were being poisoned? It was somebody that basically told Jordan to come see that, but everybody else was basically filming about uh, Flint, Michigan. I mean, you can go find any video about Flint, Michigan about the poisoning before Jordan Sheridan. They were reporting on it. So I'm like. Jordan Trump, Jordan Trump is not the great, greatest reporter. I mean, he's he's basically there where there's smoke, but the fire was already started already. Mm. Well, and, I, I also want to add to. I think it's important for people to know that there are other uh, you know podcasters that have also reported and covered stories on the ground. Like Convo Couch was at was it Convo Couch or Nico? Well, anyway, MCSC, I think it was Nico and maybe, yeah, Nico House covered Standing Rock as well. It wasn't just Jordan who was there. A lot of times he talks about these things as if he's the only one doing it, and that's actually not true. Yeah, that's the thing, Um, yeah. Yeah, Convo Couch Couch has covered elections uh, multiple times and internationally, by the way. That's why I, I brought them on to talk about Brazil, because they were there covering the election. They also covered elections in Colombia. Um, and then also, I mean, Fiorella's on the ground in Russia, as well as in the studio. Now, just because someone may not like what she has to say or agree with her, that doesn't mean she's not on the ground. And I think that's a big part of the problem. But one of the things that I think bothers me, and again, I have no problem saying this to his face. I really don't. I give zero fucks. But I think one of the things that bothers me is that Jordan continues to make the statement that he's the only one on the ground and that is fucking false. And I think that needs to stop. There's other people on the ground too. They just don't have the resources to go on the ground all the time like Jordan does. Like it costs money. Like when I went to to DC to cover the Assange protests, like that costs money. Like I, I use my own money for that. You know, but like- The reason why Jordan, nobody- basically stays with Jordan's so Jordan's like he's so fucking condescending. And if you don't have the money, he's like he's 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 basically telling you, oh you gotta donate. You gotta do it. Oh it's expensive to go with it this uh, this way or that way. I'm like, dude, people don't have the money. Like right. why don't you just call people who basically are in that state and just do a co op through the video through video. I mean is is that so hard? That's why with the exception of the Assange event in DC, everything that I've covered on the ground has been in Massachusetts. It's been local because it's easy. I can just drive to it and and do what I need to do and see if if Eric is available to come help because it, when you're on the ground, you really do need someone to come help you because you're trying to talk to people, but you need the camera positioned a certain way as well. So you do need like that help there. But the thing that I would say is like, if that's the case, like, why not just cover what you can locally? I mean, in New York, a lot of things happen in New York. I know when Josana was a part of RBN, she used to cover uh, strikes and she used to cover direct action on the ground in New York City. That's another thing that she oh, was Josana's doing. no longer so, around? Huh? Josana's no longer around? Jos- no, Josana is not a part of RBN. She left a couple months ago. Okay, I thought she was doing her thing or something. She has multiple, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but she has multiple jobs. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I I found it funny, like, uh, in Jordan's stupid rant, because he brought up, like, uh, Trump 
Trump basically winning the Jimmy Dore that said that Trump uh, won the election. That's not what Jimmy Dore said. Jimmy Dore basically said when Trump won the election, Democrats were the ones who were saying that uh, Russia basically helped uh, 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 Trump won. But Trump basically won because he was basically talking shit. And out of all that mess that he was saying, people basically caught little nuggets of it. And they basically they went to him because they, they didn't want Hillary Clinton. Mm. Plus, yeah. and, and then when then Jimmy compared it again to uh, I think he brought up uh, also when uh, Ralph Nader no, when Ralph Nader lost, and he but I think it was Chris Christie talking, but they said the same thing. But with the, with the Ralph Nader, none of Ralph Nader. Uh, what was Bill Clinton's vice president? Uh, what's his name? Um, the guy loved why Al Gore. Al Gore. Al Gore. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, they did the same the thing. Although, reminder. although I would say on the Al Gore part, I mean, it was factual. They basically they were suppressing the vote. But Jimmy said, like, well, if the liberals can say shit about Trump, that he's a he's a puppet, he's this and that, he 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 didn't win the election. Well, why can't they say it about Joe Biden? Even though Trump lost because he was being a fucking idiot, because he could have basically outflanked outflank Joe Biden by just basically uh, not shutting down the businesses, keeping people basically afloat, keep the economy afloat, basically give people like uh, $500, $500 checks every week. He could have done that. He, he didn't He didn't do that. That's why he lost. He lost because he was a fucking idiot. He couldn't handle a fucking pandemic that was handed to him. It was fucking easy. He could have basically won, won the election, but he was being himself. Yeah, you know what's uh what's interesting too though is that remember towards the end of his term, remember he sent out that tweet telling Republicans that they better send out those two thousand dollar checks. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, it was two thousand dollars. I think it was more, and then he reduced it and he reduced it again. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I I think. Hmm. Well, I think then- like. It's, it's really interesting. My thing is, if, if people are going to point out Trump saying the election is stolen, well, Hillary Clinton's saying that, too, publicly. Yeah, like, and I'm you like, know? yo, what is, it, what is this bullshit tit for tat? I mean, even if basically you, you, Republicans say it, and it's it, it's a factual, it, it's factual that Donald Trump lost, who gives a shit, right? I don't know why you got to censor people for that. You know Donald Trump lost. Who gives a shit if basically some Republican is saying, no, Trump won, Trump won. Who gives a shit? He lost. That's his old damn fault. That's him trying to basically make a, a scenario that he did lose. But that's on him. And then you have the COVID shit. And I know some people complained about Jimmy because Jimmy was doing too much COVID content. But the more he was doing the content, he had experts on. All these other channels are shitting on Jimmy Dore. Who did they have on? Silence. Silence. They have nobody. <laughs> and and the guy that was there, uh, Dr. Malone, everything Dr. Malone said came fucking true. But it wasn't just Dr. Malone. There were other doctors that came on too. There was those, uh, the doctors from Eric knows, um, I think Eric's in the chat. He might remember their name, but there was, there were two doctors that came on, um, I think after Dr. Malone, that also did the research. I can't remember their name. Shoot. I think a Robert Kennedy. Well, I think he mentioned Robert Kennedy once. I don't know if he's a doctor or anything. I don't think Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. is a doctor. It, oh, he just told me. 
Martin Koldorf and Jay Bhattachara. Yes, those two guys came on too to talk about what they have found. And they were also doctors. So I think the thing is, is that, look, what people have to understand, and some people aren't going to like me saying this, but Hillary Clinton is now saying on video that her election was stolen. So what's the difference? So this is my thing. Like, is it only a problem if Trump says it and it's okay if Hillary says it? Exactly. That was Jimmy's point. That? I'm like, what the fuck? Right. It's like it's like a game of fucking, uh, you know that game that you see on TV, the one where you're, you got both people pulling a rope and whoever basically fucking loses gets, you know, splashed into the mud. That's the mm-hmm. game that I see that's playing. Mm. I'm like, for some reason, everybody, everything is like, uh, I mean, just admit that you fucking lost and be, be done with it. Whatever that, whatever happened to the time where people used to basically say, okay, fine, I lost, I'll try, I'll try better next time. It seems like right, everything, no, everything is, uh, everything is fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it, it's tribal. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting too. And it was interesting to me, like watching some people melt down, like over Paul Pelosi's attack. Whereas, like those of us, you know, CJ did a um, <laughs> CJ CJ did a video about this, and CJ said, "Look, I don't give a fuck." <laughs> CJ was just like he said, "Look, they're rich. They're they're gonna be fine." Like. I don't know. I'm just telling you guys, based on what I've seen, Democrats need to be really concerned about some of these races. I'm talking uh, particularly about the one in Arizona, because I can see uh, that one going to the Republicans, maybe Nevada as well. Georgia could be a toss up. But the thing, the point that I tried to bring home to people is that this race between Jordan, not Jordan's crap, I'm talking about Jordan. Um, this race between Herschel Walker and um, Warnock, it shouldn't even be as close as it is if Warnock is the incumbent. So the fact that it's even that close, this goes to tell you how bad the candidates are, how bad the Democratic Party has been on delivering on the economic policies when it comes to helping the American people. Same thing with Pennsylvania. John Fetterman and Dr. Oz, like, why is this even that close? Because the economic needs have not been met by people through the party that is now currently in power. So this is a problem. And I think that like that guy I, I, that was on the panel this morning, I still don't remember his name. I'm sorry. Um, or yeah, I'm going to look morning. at the video afterwards. Yeah, I felt like he was completely out of touch. He said people don't vote with their pocketbooks. I'm like, who the fuck you been talking to? Because like, why do you think so many people came out to support Donald Trump. I'm talking about people who had never voted. Yes, Hillary won the popular vote, but look at all the voters and the people in the Rust Belt that came out and voted for Donald Trump. You don't think they were voting with their pockets? People stopped voting with their feelings after eight years of Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even that poll of yours, I think I came in like second place, like 26%, because I was thinking maybe they would probably lose something but keep something i don't think they're gonna lose both yeah 
Yeah, we'll see. I, I gotta tell you though, like this is all just crazy. Like it's it's really kind of like embarrassing, you know. It kills me like when people say that, oh, we created this number of jobs. Okay. The homeless rate has increased. <laughs> it's all lies. It's it's all lies. Your jobs. <laughs> yeah, because I can't wait for November to basically pass so we can be they can be done talking about the midterms so they can blame Jimmy Dore for this one because I'm pretty sure Jimmy Dore is going to be blamed for this and I'm surprised mm-hmm. that uh, there weren't any Jimmy memes going on Twitter when they said that the attacker watched Jimmy Dore and it was Jimmy Dore's fault because Sam Cedar was like blaming Jimmy Dore I'm like what the, are you fucking kidding me Yeah, like I said, it's just, it's really, like, it's, it's, look, it's one thing to just say, oh, you know, I, I disagree with this person or that kind of thing. It's another thing when you're trying to connect someone to an actual crime. Like, I think that's a bit much. And so my thing is, is just like, y'all motherfuckers, like all y'all over there, the Breaking Points crew, all of them, Vanguard, Jordan Sheraton, all them, them shit lid motherfuckers, fuck. What exactly did Jordan Sheridan say? Because I, I don't I don't watch his channel. What is He tried to blame that the attacker, the guy who attacked Paul Pelosi, he basically said that that guy watched Jimmy Dore. No, no, not that part. Him. Not not that part. You said uh, that he he mentioned you guys. Oh, that part. So a subscriber sent that to me. That junk was funny. I don't know. I'm going to see if they kept it up there. They might have taken it down. A subscriber sent that to me. And they said, FYI, Jordan Sheraton, I guess somebody somebody asked him a question on, on his stream and said that um, RBN does work on the ground, right? And mutual aid or something. And that person sent it to me and said, FYI, Jordan Sheraton is trying to say that all you all RBN does is talk about podcasters and shit on David Sirota. And I was like, really now? <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm like, well, he's a fucking liar for one. I'm sorry I'm cussing a lot tonight, you guys. Go ahead, go ahead. We've, we've been trying we've been trying to get you to give to, to be mad for a very long time and cuss out. He's a fucking liar because this is something you guys don't know. Jordan Sheraton would send me tweets all the time asking me to retweet his tweets. And so in, in return, he would send it to those of us at RBN. So in return, we would send like him tweets. So I so, would so send you, you stop you, you stop stop doing what he says, and now Massa is angry that the slaves are not doing what he wants. Say it again, Ashura. Because like seriously, like my thing is is like don't lie on us. Like you don't have to like what we do. But don't sit up there and lie and say all we do is talk about podcasters when you know damn well we do mutual aid because you've retweeted our mutual aid events. You know damn well that we do reporting on the ground because I sent him tweets of me doing reporting on the ground and he retweeted it. So this is some fucking bullshit. So since he tried to be sneaky about calling our ass out and you know like for those of you who listen, those of you who are RBN uh, viewers, RBN viewers don't play. When somebody says something, like you guys are the first ones to be like, they lying on y'all. <laughs> it's like I said, when people try to bring up Jordan Charity is like the greatest thing ever. I'm like, compare Jordan Charity to what Rome is doing. 
who does who does who who has more fucking results than than, than between Jordan Sheridan and Rome? Rome has more results than Jordan Sheridan because Jordan Sheridan's reporting never really does anything. Nobody gets fucking sent to jail. Nothing. It's just it's, it's just basically a a, a, a report court, basically a, a homework that was basically re- uh, given back to the teacher. That's it. Yeah, well, I, I, again, I think there has been like this split. So there's like that, there's like that breaking point side of of the left, which is Crystal and Kyle and all them and Vanguard and Jordan, all them people. And then there's like the Jimmy Dore side. And they pretty much just hate anybody on the Jimmy Dore side. Kolinsky, uh, I have to put this in. Have you seen Carl, Kyle's new hairdo? No. Oh, you could just put just you don't have to go in a video, just look at the thumbnail. You'll see his new hairdo. I'm pretty sure Crystal told him to pick that color. And you're gonna be like, what the fuck is this? Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be like, it doesn't even fit him. You probably think that that is Pete Davidson. Oh dear God. I don't even know, man. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I try not to get into like people's like personal appearances or whatever, but mm-hmm. somebody changed and it wasn't us. Well, I, I, just... I, I, I saw he was doing a debate with the Vanguard guys, although although the Vanguard guys like they were very sneaky. They they, they were they were like the pro establishment types, and now they've gone to say, "Oh, we we're against the war," but you were for the war at some point. They go with whatever is considered popular at that time. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck, man? You guys change your opinions. You're like a fucking wave or something. You go they left go or you go right. It's considered popular at that time. A lot of people may not know this, but I had them on like almost what? Almost two years ago? Yeah. Um, when they when they first came on to my channel, they were, we were, I think they maybe had like 3,000 subs at that point. I had like over, a little over 2,000. So we were both still very, very small. And this was not too long after forced the vote and they were very upset about the squad not forcing the person to vote that video is still on my channel was called interview with the vanguard um they were very upset about it and they were very upset with the squad and they talked about you know third party and stuff like that they were very different back then but like i said at the time it was popular to be upset with the squad about forced the vote so you guys see, like, what are your core beliefs? What do you really feel? And what do you believe? Do you just yeah, move cause, with the wind? Because I'm like, yo, just stick to your shit. At, at least, at least with Jimmy, he sticks to his shit. Like, there, there's a point where people were making, uh, they were making correlations saying that Jimmy's a right winger because Jimmy, they, Jimmy was asked the question, which party, if you were running, where would you go? I was in my mind, I was like, definitely not MPP. And he said, and he was like, well, I could probably choose the Republicans because they have no. Uh, super delegates and because he said that people were like oh my god jimmy door has exposed himself as a right winger i'm like what the fuck he said hypothetically it's not like jimmy door is gonna go join the republicans the republicans will fucking try to destroy him he's been saying both parties are bad yeah but those same people will defend joe rogan for making more uh right-wing comments you know what i mean so this is the thing this is what i'm saying people follow the money like so let me get this straight some people had a problem with Jimmy Dore's opinion about the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. But those same people were okay with Joe Rogan having that same opinion. You see what I'm saying? 
Like, these are the kind of things that I pay attention to. That's why I said it's just about, like, some people may look at it as though, like, oh, well, Joe Rogan is, like, this famous celebrity, and he knows all these people, so they don't want to mess up that relationship with Joe Rogan so that they he can introduce them to more people. That's what that's about. Because my thing anyway. is, if you're going to say that you don't like someone having that opinion about the vaccine, it should apply to anyone, not just the person that can give you access to people like Bill Maher. Let's be real. But this is what this is why to me, I don't really care what somebody's opinion is. I just I just walk away. I, I don't make a big scene about it. But a lot of people do. Yeah. Some people do. Oh, anyways. Anyways, I'm gonna hang up and basically let the, the other people come in. All righty. Okay. Thank you, Ashura. Let's bring in CR. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hey, Hello. How are you? you? I'm doing all right. Finally got some rain over here in Oakland. So that was nice. It's been raining here often. <laughs> Oof, I think this is like the second time this year that we've gotten any rain wow. at all. It's been uh the California drought is real. That's all I'll say. <laughs> wow. Wow. What's yeah, your take on all this uh, CR? Um, well, first of all, I just I just want to just say, like, real journalists like Jordan Sheraton need to be respected. All caps, real journalists like Jordan Sheraton should get donated. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. I, I've almost, I, but I can't because I don't like echo chamber shit, so I still follow him and a bunch of other shit libs. But I really wanted to unfollow him when every single fucking tweet had all caps, real journalist or real journalism in it every single fucking tweet for like months on end there and i'm the only one out here covering amazon i'm the only one out here co- and i was like jesus dude okay we get it your your quote unquote trademark real journalist we got it homie jesus fucking christ it's just I, i've never seen anybody like toot their horn that much it's like that's totally the realm of other people need to say that about you you know what i mean it's like the level of kanye west saying i'm the voice of a generation it's like, no, you don't say that about yourself, man. You let other people say that thing about you. So, yeah, I, I was just watching. I was just going like, okay, yeah, because I know he had some other bad takes. But, you know, it's like, oh, you know, the guy's covering Flint. He's covering, you know, union drives. You know, I'll, I'll forgive him his other his other takes. But then once he just kind of kept beating that drum over and over again, I was like, okay, there's some some ego going on here. You know, but, that yeah, that's all I'll say on that. But in terms of the Paul Pelosi thing here, um, I just want to not not to try to like like I'm not trying to necessarily speculate or theorize or say like okay this is what I think happened but let me ask a question of plausibility would it be plausible to say that in all likelihood the thing that would most explain all these kind of weird incongruities and the cops showing up and then who let them all the kind of weird stuff right that's going on with this whole case would it be plausible to say that to think that is is it possible that he was out of communication with his wife and whoever else for an extended period of time and then his wife or security or whoever else at some point like maybe we should send somebody over to the house to check on what's going on over there and then probably dude has a security system i'm sure like most of my friends that are 
you know, you know, middle-class people, they can all look at, you know, somebody knocks on the door, they don't get up, they pull out their phone or whatever. And they say, Oh, who's at the door or look at their security system. So is it rather plausible that in a panic, because they, because as far as I understand is they say that he didn't hit Paul until after the police were there. And then the police watched him assault him. So I'm sitting going like, okay, so isn't it more likely that the police were showed up because maybe somebody like his wife was concerned. Oh, it's two o'clock in the morning. I haven't heard from Paul in a while. I wonder what he's out doing, you know, so that people come by to do, because that was the first thing that I heard. One of the first things I heard it reported was the police showed up to do a wellness check. And then I've since That's seen that kind of scrubbed and I, because you know how it changes, you know, the narrative changes. But one of the early things on I heard was that it was a wellness check. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought he called. How could he have called the police, but then it was a wellness check? So a wellness check tells me somebody else was concerned. Maybe it was this unknown person that opened the door. Maybe a maid or a handler or somebody else that saw that this little, you know, adventure that Paul Pelosi was doing was starting to get out of hand. And maybe they thought, oh, this dude that Paul brought home is starting to act a little buck wild. Maybe I should tell the cops they should come by to take, you know what I mean? Like to me, just just let's just take plausibility for a minute like the, to me i think that sounds like the most plausible scenario is that it just we're just we just purely got caught in doing something we don't want other people to know about plain and simple yeah, it's like this story has changed multiple times over the past couple of days right so it's like we were trying to figure this out ourselves like even though rbn i'm like so let me get this straight. Nancy Pelosi's husband, who's like in his 80s, was able to fight off this young man. He was hit in the skull twice with a hammer, and then he was still able to make it to the bathroom and call the police. Listen, when I was no. in college, like a lot of people, I don't tell you guys about this, but when I was in college, I hit my head. I was getting up from a cabinet. There was a cabinet, um, a lower level cabinet underneath the sink. I was getting something out of that cabinet. I totally forgot the cabinet above me was still open. I stood up and I hit my head on the cabinet. I had a concussion. Oh. So if somebody hits you in the head with a hammer, do you know what that will do to you? At least at that age, you're more likely to go to at least get a, a temporary knockout. Right. So Nick brought up a good point. He said, is Nancy Pelosi's husband, James Bond? Like, how did he fight off this guy? Now we hear the story that the police got there and then the guy attacked him. And I'm like, so the police just stood there and let the guy attack yeah. him with a hammer? <laughs> See, here we go. And here's to my plausibility thing, right? So that doesn't sound plausible. But what does, what would be plausible? The police help cover something up. And why do I say that that's plausible? Because there's been many reports, although it was largely kept out of the mainstream news, and not talked about that when Paul got his DUI, he also had another young fella in the car with him that was never identified. Now, with such a high profile case that got so much press from coast to coast, I do find it interesting that none of these sleuths and any of these big major media outlets were able to identify who the passenger was. Now, the, again, let's just think plausibility and let's not try to say exactly what happened. But it, wouldn't it be most plausible the reason why they didn't know who the passenger was because they didn't bother to find out or because they were told not to find out or they were told to ignore that aspect of the story? You know, 
So, so to me, the same thing with like the police here. It's like, okay, they who watches and you know. And here's also the other thing too. If you if the call was coming in that there was a fight with the dude with the hammer, and they knew that this is a very powerful older man, would the cops come up and just knock on the door, or would they do like they do everywhere else in America and probably just kick that shit in? Right. This doesn't make so, any sense. If it does, it don't make no. So the cops, I think, are. I, I, I can't say that I know this, but I think that they are helping cover up, just like they helped him cover up his DUI thing, where he probably got pulled over being drunk with another young fella. Mm-hmm. And so their 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 directive is, hey, we keep you know we keep you guys flush with money. We make sure the police department always has money. We keep make sure that we donate to the police charity fund every year, and you all just make sure Paul and whatever he does, you know, <laughs> stays on the hush hush. Well, another question I have, too, is where is the security footage? Where Where is oh, that? If, Why would the police have that? Oh, if he, if they, if he had him breaking in, that would they'd be plastered. There'd be a loop. It'd be a seven-second loop of him coming in the backyard and breaking the window, coming in the backyard, breaking the window. We'd watch that same seven-second loop on CNN, MSNBC over and over again as the pundits sat there. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, what they would do if they mm-hmm. actually had it. It, but we would knowing the security level, just like the, um, and it was at the Santa, Santa Clara or Santa, whatever, one of those local newspapers that ran an article, they quoted another lawyer that said in a couple of times that they tried to serve papers to that same house when neither Paul or Nancy were there, there was always police and security guards there when nobody was home, when they tried to serve papers court documents to them this other lawyer said yeah we've gone to that house we've been to that 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 pelosi house before and there was always cops outside and there was always security guards that we got confronted by when we went to try to serve them papers and then were subsequently told nobody was there so (laughs) that kind of begs the question like why would that night be any different there was likely there's likely a moonlighter or security guards or something to that effect so the only thing that would again plausibility was say was let in, not broken. Right. And so let me ask you this question, CR. Would you let someone into your home that you don't know? Um I could I I mean, you know, I'm a pretty I mean if somebody's like, hey, yeah, you know, I know so and so, you know, this I could see, but that's me being super generous and, and, and on a 12, 12, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. At around two AM at night, fuck no. I don't, I don't know you. Not, not, not only am I not letting you in, I'm, I'm not even opening the fucking door. I'm just going to go ahead and just call the cops and be like, it's two o'clock in the morning and there's a fucking dude in his underwear with a hammer on my fucking front porch. Like, no way. Again, that's just, we don't even have to think like this happened, that happened, or what was he doing? It's just, just ask yourself basic, plausible questions. Like what even remotely makes sense. And yeah, it wouldn't make any sense uh, <laughs> for him to not, and then subsequently, also the thing that this is on supposedly the nine one one tape, which they won't let us hear, uh, or at least yeah. I don't know if I I, don't, I I haven't heard it yet. I don't know if they published it or not. Well, I played I, I played part of it. I played part of it on the show where they said that he was there. They said his name was David, and he says he's a friend. And they were like, "I'm confused." So there was confusion over the nine one one call. But my thing is, is this is like he let him in at like that time of night. I mean, what was was David selling like? candy bars at two o'clock in the morning oh no like why was he there oh wait a minute damn you know what just occurred to me 
you know, just occurred to me. This is, again, this is like very, ugh, a little, little conspiratorial of me thinking, but what if he did invite this guy over under the auspices of a hookup, but actually wanted to precipitate this intruder assault situation? Because you notice how very quickly the next morning they already had, oh, this guy's, this is his website. This is his manifesto. This is what he's been posting. Who's, here's the people he likes. He's a total right winger. There's this huge narrative already packaged and ready to go right off the spot. Hours, you know, not even 24 hours after the thing happened. So to me, that kind of begs the question, is this kind of their October surprise kind of thing? Like, we're going to gear up sympathy for the Democratic Party by showing how deranged Republicans are. He may have, the guy, the dude David may have thought he was going over there for a hookup. And Paul's thinking, like, I guess I got to do this shit to keep my wife happy. <laughs> I got to fucking pretend like this. Or, like I said, what's more plausible is that in some way, somehow, either a handler or Nancy or somebody found out he was doing something he wasn't supposed to. And then subsequently had to cook up something on the fly. And that's why nothing adds up. That's why none of the, the facts add up. And the other thing that would make sense with that is, the supposed unknown person opening the door. And I think you mentioned it before earlier. Yeah, cops tend to question everybody on the scene. <laughs> Let's everybody. at least get your name and your phone number. So again, what would be the plausible reason for us having it be an unknown third person? Well, the only reason it would be unknown is if the police or the detectives didn't want them known to us. And what would be the primary reason for them not wanting to be known to us? Because that's what the Pelosi's want. Mm-hmm. So to me, I, 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 my, my conspiratorial brain wants to run to that they set this up to get the sympathy and to win the political points of like, see, look, these people are deranged. They, they act out on their political views violently. That's why we have to censor more, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why you, have, this is why you can't trust the Republicans. Listen, I've watched a lot of Law and Order growing up. A lot of it. <laughs> And I'm telling you, like, my mom used to watch Murder, She Wrote and Matlock and that kind of stuff, uh, Perry Mason. So, like, I grew up, like, watching it. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just going through the notes and I'm like, this is very bizarre. If you were attacked, why would you not release the security footage to the police officers unless there was something that you did not want them to see? Exactly. That's why everything comes back to me is that same, like, what's just the most plausible the most plausible, I, I want a dick, and I don't want, I didn't want people to know that I want a dick. I, I hate to use such crude language, you know what I mean? And I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but doesn't that kind of, like, all the weirdness kind of goes out the window? Like, all the, it's like, why was it happening? Why at this hour? How did he get in? You know, why did only the violence happen when the police showed up? You know? <laughs> Train. And also, you notice, notice, notice another thing, too? I have not seen a statement from David or a lawyer or his lawyer. Nope. And here's another weird thing, too. They kept talking about the next day about Paul's condition. But they also simultaneously said that when the cops showed up, that they were in the middle of the scuffle and the police tackled him. Meaning the, the attacker, quote unquote, alleged attacker. But yet we never heard about did he need to be taken to the hospital? Was he hurt in any way? Was he talking? Did he have any statements? You know, and, and they so far there was only one 
police officer who has said that he heard the where's Nancy. The other police officers apparently didn't say that. So not all of the, you know what I mean? Even amongst the people that were there, their story is not cohesive at all, you know? Um, and yeah, like you said, it just, <laughs> how how do you get in past all, all, all the things unless you were, were, weren't let in? But Jimmy Dore, CR, but Jimmy Dore. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he did do the video blaming the Jews with the space lasers. I did, I did, I remember that one. That was, that was an interesting segment. Uh, yeah, the Jews are going to take over with the space lasers. And Jimmy did crack that code. I, I, you know, you know, the funny thing about it is with that, with the Jimmy Dore thing is, it seems kind of enigmatic on the surface, but actually not really. It's, it's good standard old cognitive dissonance, right? I am a good liberal. I am a good person, not like those crazy conservatives. I'm more just and fair and understanding and inclusive, like all the things that you would tell yourself as a good liberal. But then you support war. You support fascism. You support censorship. You support, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the stock market and, and the banks and all this kind of other stuff, right? Torture, suppressing of journalists. So that is in people's brains, whether they realize it or not, and is fighting against this surface level team sport persona that they've put on. They don't realize it, but it's there. So when somebody like Jimmy comes along, you just kind of very easily takes the little finger and goes pop and pops their little bubble. The reaction is always just like Jimmy talks about the, you know, being a child of, a, of a, uh, alcoholics, you get mad at the person pointing out the thing, not at the person who's hurting you. So Jimmy mm. points out the cognitive dissonance in a very plain, easy to understand way. Right. And <laughs> people go fucking insane, not because he's wrong, not because they hate him, you know, and not necessarily because even they didn't agree with him, but it gives them enough pause. It gives them enough, what the fuck do I actually believe in? And then your brain immediately shuts that down. It says, no, I, I can't believe that. I'm right. He's wrong. He's the evil guy. He's the right winger. He's the alt guy. He's the fascist. It can't be me. It can't be me. No, 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 no. I'm a good fucking liberal. It's this asshole. You know what I mean? That is a knee-jerk survival technique. When you have your ideology built on bullshit. That's right. And liberals can be fascist too, by the way. Right now, they are the, they are the number one fascist. As Chris Hedges says, your choices right now are between the fascist oligarchy of the Democrats or the authoritarian right. So pick your fucking choice. Do you want authoritarianism or do you want fascism? Those are your two choices amongst the main two parties. You know, but we like to think because we hate the authoritarian nature of any person, any dictator, any type of authoritarian. We hate that about the Republicans, that somehow we can justify the fascism. Because you know what? It puts an iPhone in my pocket and I have Facebook and I have Twitter and Instagram. It's a way of buying people off. It's a way of saying, look at this shit capitalist system that shits on more people and creates more poor people and shoves the middle class lower and lower every fucking year. Yeah. This is a nightmare, but oh, it's not a nightmare because I have a fucking iPhone and I can door dash and I can do all these other fucking things. So it can't be a nightmare. It's a fucking technocrat fucking utopia. They have to tell themselves that. And when you drive a fucking Tesla 
and you have a $1,400 fucking iPhone and you can spend $60 fucking having food door dashed to you every night, <laughs> then you can tell yourself those things. It's justified by look at what we have. You know, look at what, look what access we have to everything. Look at all the choice, man. Of course, the system that I believe in can't be bankrupt. It has to be the other people. But really, at the end of the day, oligarchy or authoritarianism, fuck you, I don't want either one. And, and I think that that's, that's the thing that people intuitively understand in their hearts. And when people like Jimmy Dore poke a little hole in that bubble, it hurts. It hurts. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like me being told. Like, I remember the first time I, I listened to Chris Hedges talking about what Bernie Sanders did during the 90s. After Bill Clinton passed NAFTA, after he passed NAFTA, after he passed the omnibus crime bill, Bernie campaigned for Bill Clinton. He did many right. rallies and told all his fucking supporters back in fucking uh, 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 um, 96. Two years after he had already passed the omnibus crime bill. So we'd had time to see that the shit started to hit the fan. And he still That's said, no, this is this is your guy. And I didn't know that because I didn't know that history about Bernie. But, you know, Chris Hedges set me straight. He's like, look, dude, this is what Bernie has been doing since the mid-90s. He takes leftist energy and he funnels it back into the system. And that, yes. broke, my fucking, that broke my fucking heart. And I wanted to hate Chris Hedges for it. And, and, I, cut, and I instinctively did. But it took me time to realize what he's saying is correct. Yeah, the truth really hurts because I know, like, I didn't know that at the time either uh cr just fyi i didn't know that either when i saw a video of chris hedges saying that and i think i shared this on stream at some point yeah i did i was like damn i wish i would have known about it like back then right like i wish i would have known when jesse ventura said that he had already spoken to bernie sanders right at the beginning of his campaign against hillary clinton and Bernie told him he would not start a third party movement. He would not start an independent movement and that he would support Hillary Clinton if he lost. I wish I would have heard that back then because I would have never donated money to Bernie Sanders. Thousand percent. I, I, I took family members, friends, any person that I could, I, short of like holding their hand and checking the ballot box for them. I'm like, I'll. I'll help you out. I'll fill the whole thing out with you. I'll take you to the poll. You know what I mean? Like I, I was jazz as fuck. You know what I mean? And and I got, you know, at least four of my friends that had never fucking voted before or had voted maybe once or twice here and there. Like, you know, they just don't care. It's not checked out. Of them. And I was just like, I just got to get as many people as I can, you know? <laughs> and I was, I was, I was super jazz. And just like you said, finding that out after the fact is, uh, uh, um, it's kind of like, you know, like, it's a little bit like, okay, uh, you know, fuck, I found, I found out that the, uh, uh, the boyfriend that I broke up with was cheating on me at the time. Well, fuck him as good. I broke up with him a little bit easier, but I don't know what the fuck my brain would have done. Honestly, I might've actually rejected the information. If somebody had told me that in 2015 or 2016, I might've argued with them and fought with them to try to save my perspective. The thing that was giving me hope, even though I knew I shouldn't hope even though I knew it was a fool's errand, you know, uh, um, I, I don't know. I honestly cannot say, like you say that I wish we had known that, but can you say for sure that you wouldn't have fought back against that? Would you, you would have told the person that they didn't know what they were talking about. 
That's a good question. I mean, honestly, looking back on it at that time, remembering just how energized I was around Bernie Sanders' campaign, I probably would have... This is crazy to say, like, even though that came from Chris Hedges, at the time, I probably would have still dismissed it. You just brought up a really good point. Exactly. Because I was so energized by the campaign, and I was just been like, oh, I don't believe that, you know. But Chris Hedges said this back then. He did try to warn people, and I think that everyone just really mobilized around this dream, this progressive dream that, you know, I think I think Bernie really did want to win. But my thing was, it was very clear to me that he was not going to go against the Democratic Party. And when I saw him debate one-on-one against Joe Biden, that was a big wake-up call for me. Because my husband and I, we sat back, we we watched all the debates. But that one in particular, it was almost like, and I still remember like, after that debate, secular talk was like, yeah, Bernie won, Bernie won, da 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 da. And I remember I just <laughs> kind of felt like Bernie did not give it his all. I felt like he he said just enough to still have a spot, right? If Joe Biden won in Joe Biden's administration. But I felt like he definitely did not go hard at Joe Biden the way he did at Donald Trump. And there were numerous things that he could have called out Joe Biden on, um, especially in reference to policy decisions that Joe Biden had made. And I felt like he went easy on Joe Biden. And again, I should have paid attention during the Democratic Party uh, primary debates when he was saying, kept saying that Joe Biden was his friend. I was just about to say the same thing. My heart sank every time he said that. Yeah, I'm like, like, no, like, I wish he, I was like saying to myself, like, stop saying he's your friend. Like, what the fuck? This is a debate. Nobody else on this stage is saying that they're friends with anybody else. Elizabeth Warren, who sat up there and said that, yeah, I agree with Bernie about Medicare for all, stabbed you in the fucking back when she started to drop in the polls on the debate stage and said, well, Bernie said a woman can never be president. Oh, God. Why would you be so foolish to think these people are your friends? These people are not friends. That's why that here's where here's I'm going to give a little pushback. I think that maybe we got the full fucking we got the full smoke blown up our ass. And the reason why I say this is because all of that would make total sense that he actually did want to win. And why would you fucking let, you know, people like Elizabeth Warren. And and meanwhile, Biden's campaign was saying awful shit about Bernie while he kept saying my friend. So it was not conciliatory in any way, shape or form. That was the other fucked up thing about it. But all of this would make fucking sense, again, would be very plausible (laughs) to believe if when Bernie decided to finally drop out, especially after the coalition of all the other people dropping out, going behind Biden and Obama stepping in and doing his little magic. If Bernie asked for a single fucking concession for anything, anything, this whole fucking movement of people. And you just handed it over. You didn't ask for a fucking thing. The, okay, so so you didn't. You weren't going to win the presidency. Okay, you know maybe you had a chance. Maybe you wanted to win. Maybe you didn't want to win. Maybe you're just running to get the your your message out there. Whatever the fuck. If you actually cared, if you really gave a shit about the game one fucking iota, 
wouldn't you have at least asked for a token something? And he asked for fucking nothing. After what was it, the South Carolina win? It was just tuck tail and fucking run. How is that a revolution? How is that I want to shake up the fucking system in any way, shape, or form? How is it? How does that say I want to win? The best thing that he could have possibly done at that point would be, I will ask Biden, if you give me da-da-da-da-da, one, two, three, whatever, here's a list of five things, pick two, and then I can go back to my fucking followers. I can go back to my people and say, hey, doesn't look like we're going to win, folks, but Biden said he will do these two things, you know? He'll do the he'll do for sure the 15 minimum wage and make weed legal or whatever. Just some easy, low level hanging fruit asks. And so that's why we all have to go over to him. But he didn't even fucking do any of that shit. And that to me right there makes me feel like he actually never did want to win. Because if you wanted to win, wouldn't you at least take a fucking consolation prize? That's a good point. And I think um, and I'll move into the uh, the next caller, but I think a good point to bring up is Medicare for all. That was Bernie Sanders' big thing, right? You didn't even ask Joe Biden for Medicare for all? Because that that was one of the, the key um, policies that Joe Biden said if it came across his desk that he would veto it. So you didn't, even, you didn't get nothing from this man. You didn't even ask him, hey, Joe Biden, I'll back you, but you have to, like, if we, we got to pass Medicare for all, you have to do it by executive order. And you can do it because we have a pandemic. The same thing that they did in Libby, Montana, right? And that was under yeah. Barack Obama. So my thing is, is like, he could have asked for something. He didn't ask for anything, nothing. He just sold the American people out. And now he's running around this country looking like a fool, trying to get people to vote for Democrats again. I couldn't agree more. Savvy, thank you so much for taking my call and listening to my uh, ridiculous Un unneeded anger. Well, I mean, it's it's needed, but I don't need to animate it so much. I appreciate y'all for listening. Love y'all. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much, CR. All right, I'm gonna bring in Jonathan. You're on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hey, Jonathan. How is it? I'm hanging in there. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I was about to say, how goes it? Like one of my teachers used to say that, how goes it? I'm like, I <laughs> well, don't know. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter to me because like I tell my kids and he's like, Mr. Cooper does not te teach English. So <laughs> it's like one time I was saying, uh, I think I said, what, what are our answers or something like that? They're like, there's like Cooper. Nope. You didn't say it right. I'm like, you know, I don't care. What's the answer guys. But anyway, um, <laughs> I will say that um, one point um, I had typed it in the um, in the chat on when you for your show is that one thing that you forgot to mention is when you're talking about Obama going to Georgia and um, Wisconsin and Michigan and how people are coming out, you know, just to see him. Um, I don't know if you remember, well, I know that you do remember when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016, what did she do in Ohio? Oh boy. Try to get the vote in Well, Ohio. she ignored the Rust Belt. Remember that? I say concert. But, and she still lost Ohio. I forget. You have to remind me. I, I try not to pay attention it's to that woman to too much, but go ahead. 
Yeah, if you ever see the documentary um, 11-9 with um, Michael Moore, he actually begins, <laughs> begins that's where right. she says, thank you, Beyonce, Big Sean. And then he says, um, you know, talking over saying, she probably doesn't know who half these people are. <laughs> it's really funny because she probably doesn't, but they people came out to the Beyonce concert, but didn't turn out to vote, and she lost Ohio. Because, as you said, she ignored the Rust Belt. Um, as far as um, Jimmy Dor- well, first of all, Jordan Sheridan, and thank you for putting up, my, thank you for putting up what um, my um, chat. Because I'm like, I stopped listening to Jordan Sheridan when um, Jank Uger fired him, and I'm not a big and um, I stopped watching Jank um, years ago thanks to um, you. And um, actually, I'll say a year ago, because I, I I was a loyal TYT fan. And then I was like, uh, then after the force to vote and for the force to vote, it wasn't even that they were against it. They like, OK, let's pull our audience. And like Jimmy keeps on mentioning, 90 percent of your audience said force to vote. And they just kept on. I'm like, you ignore your own audience. Um, but anyway, sorry. The reason why I started watching George Sheridan was not only because of um, Jank Uger, but Nico House also exposed um, Jordan Sheridan for being a basically a fraudulent reporter. Um, the reason why, sorry, Nico used to back wait before Nico started um, Mikasa Sukasa, he was working for um, Rage Against the Machine. Or not Rage Against the Machine. Wait, That's what? I forgot what the. Okay, this is a, this is a little bit new to me. Um, something they call themselves. You'll have to explain, Jonathan. Okay, it's not Rage Against the Machine. That's the rock band. I forgot. about to say if nico was was working for rage against the machine he he held out on me because he (laughs) i was about to say he forgot to tell me about that Uh uh-oh okay um i can't hear you jonathan are you speaking sorry about that um yeah, so I forgot what it was called. It wasn't Rage Against the Machine. It was Hello? Here, I'll make you a speaker. Uh, it was um, it was the app is kind of, it's been like this past couple um, days. It's been kind of finicky where people were in the queue. And, and I don't know um, if you know what happened with, with, with down cuts out on them. Jordan and Okay, there um, you go. Jank, but basically what happened was. Yeah, I can hear you. Jordan was using, well, Jank was, Jank and the TYT network was giving Jordan money, but Jordan wasn't using the funds appropriately. And it was to the point that he was using it to um, entice other women. Now, the women, I think one girl in particular said it was a mutual relationship, but it they were using, he was basically misusing the funds. And um, she came out and said, yeah, he, he, he basically um, brainwashed me. He believed me. He made me believe that I would you know, get to be part of this big thing, and turns out he was lying, so that came out, and Jank was like, okay, you can resign, 
and <laughs> this is when I should know TYT was up to something. Like they were gonna give um, Jordan Sheraton a nice good send off package. I'm like, <laughs> you know, we as black people we usually don't get those. Our send off packages is go file for unemployment. But anyway, that's another story for another time. But um, they let um, when Jordan would not resign, Jang was like, okay, then you're fired. Um, but even when that happened, when Nico said, oh, yeah, Jordan, um, I can, I'm supposed to send you a clip about, um, what's his name? Um, Richard Wolf. I haven't sent it yet. I'm almost sending that to you. But I think I'll find it somewhere. It is on, um, it should be on Nico's um, page somewhere where he talks about when he worked with Jordan and he did not like Jordan at all. So when y'all had Jordan come on, did, did, um, did, um, RBN ever have Jordan on? I think y'all did. I might be wrong about that. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. So yeah, that's when you had. Okay, when you had him on, I was like, uh, I don't know, but I trust Savvy's judgment. I really do trust your judgment. So I'm like, okay, she. Um, if, I had him on. For right now, I don't like think he's been on, like, on RBN, okay, but he came on to my show to talk about there, Flint. Do her job, uh, this last year. Um, also, with the Vanguard, like I stopped watching the Vanguard a long time ago when they told people when they um got into it with Jimmy. I thought that was totally uncalled for. Zach went. It was actually Zach, not the other one. Zach went off on the audience said, and if you don't like it, then you just go. I said, oh, unsubscribe. Bye-bye. See ya. I won't watch you anymore. And it made my life so much easier. But um, so now we see who they're out here. Like I said, I don't watch them anymore. But listening to the conversation, I'm like, okay, this is what these guys are about. Um, as far as Jimmy Dore goes, I, I just don't get why they give this band like um, – Delphia said they li- they live rent free. I mean, he lives rent free. They in their head that makes no sense. I mean, Jimmy does not. He does. He doesn't really come at anyone unless you really come from like heart, like what Jane Uger did. Oh, perfect example. You know, like the way Jordan was talking about Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Every time I hear somebody mention Jimmy's name, I think about that interview with Jane Uger and Brianna Joy Gray. Like, all you heard was Jamie's name over and over and over. I'm like, oh, my God. And <laughs> Brianna, did you ever watch the interview? <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. Yep. And I- I did. That was funny. But I mean, like, every time they talk about Jimmy Dore in a negative way, it just makes Jimmy Dore's audience grow more and more. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have those opinions I about Jimmy Dore when he was a part of TYT, did they? No, they didn't because Martin. he was keeping them. That's how I heard about them. But how, did you, how dare you become and, more popular than them? Because um, they may have like over 5 I, million I, I, subscribers, I was like, but it was, first of all, ain't nobody really watching TYT like that. If you have over 5 million subscribers, your views should be through the roof. Caucasian network. And I'm thinking to myself, in all of LA County, y'all can't find at least three, two or three black people. And then the black people, they do find they don't even keep that long. And then they hire people like Dave Rubin 
And it's like, wait a minute, y'all didn't see these people how these people were in the beginning, and now it's like, oh, surprise, surprise, this is who they are. Like, I that that's just me. Like when I realized, that, I'm like, okay. Then I used to make comments about, and people make comments about, look, TYT's lack of diversity, and now you're starting to see now. Back in the day, I used to be a pay, of course, as you know, I'm a power pra- Patreon of um, the Sabby Sab podcast. But before I was with you, I was with Ben Dixon, and I used to like Ben. And then after a while, when I realized that this to him is just um, a cash grab, I said, eh, he's not serious. But um, <laughs> he, he. I mean, I, I would say like, even though I don't even watch him anymore, Tim Black. Tim Black says something very important that I agree with. He's yeah, like, he changed this, too. This, this I know. I used to. Ahead, uh, I used to watch see, him. I used to follow um, him, and then he blocked like all of us at RBN, and we had never even off, talked about him. Um, it was weird. YouTuber, some bread, because that's all he. He could basically do it. He just doesn't want to. He could go over to CNN. He'd be perfect for them. Um, I forgot. Was one thing. One thing I had to say. Oh my god, I can't remember what it was. Um. I'm sorry. I can't forget. I forgot what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and oh, oh, I know what I'm to say. Uh, what somebody was mentioning about now, it's just, it's just crazy how him. everyone's to not together anymore. To like, I remember watching um, a lot of like these and shows, the one and I did watch everybody was together when it came to like the burning movement, you know. And Dr. And once that died, like I, I people just went their separate ways. Support. John Featherman actually follows me on Twitter, um, because I supported him back when he ran in 2018. Um, yeah, when he ran in. When he ran in 2018 for, no, was it 2018? I'm sorry, no. 2000, when did I start voting? 2017. Yep, it was right after, yep, 2017. When he ran for, um, the position he's running for now, and he was running oh, in the wow. primary, and he, it was him and three other people, and he ranked fourth. And he wasn't that popular at the time. He was still like the mayor of Braddock and all that stuff. So I supported him, and when I DM him, he actually responds back to me. I mean, I don't know if he does it now because of his condition, but at the time he did. So I always thought John Federer was a cool person, but my one of my close friends told me about the incident about him chasing after a black man. And like most people, when you hear things about people that you like, you try to you know brush it off. People do that with Obama. I mean, you can. There are people who really have some cognitive, especially black people. They have cognitive distance when it comes to Obama. We know these things to be true. Even you showed the article how black wealth went down under Obama. I remember, oh, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to say this. At my school, Cheney University, the first HBCU, we had Tavis Smiley come to our school. This was 2015. So at that time, Tavis is not a friend to the black community. Why? Because he and Dr. Cornell West criticized Obama. And he, and he got on the stage, he said, guys, I'm not criticizing because I hate the guy or because I don't like the guy. I'm going by the numbers, by the data. What does the data say? And the data that he was saying is what you showed on the show today is that black wealth went down under the first 
black president. And people just, and I've had people were like, if you say anything about Obama, they're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. They, and people do that sometimes with Bernie. They, and I admit I did that with Fetterman. And now we get caught up in this, um, we get caught up in the, um, what is the, uh, the lesser two evils. So, and now, and one of my favorite YouTubers is like, he's, he's getting into the whole, well, you know, it's better to have this person than that person. But I'm like, when does the cycle stop? When do we stop to say enough is enough? Like it, it's going to be enough. And like you and you said it perfectly, the race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock should not be this close. Yep. And same thing with Fetterman. And I don't, and I, 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 and Kyle made a good point. I have to say this. I don't care if Fetterman is on life support. There is no, even if he's on life support, he should still be able to beat Dr. Oz. It should not be that close. That's right. I all live, of them, all of the races are this close, though. Actually, the Arizona York race, I think, AOC is ran against um, closer. Or is that Nevada? One? I forget. Um, but none of these races should be this close. Like that's the problem. Like I'm trying to think back to. there was a lot of. Remember when AOC ran against Crowley? It was not this close, Jonathan. Wore out from knocking on the doors and all and. And how she was this waitress, and it turns out, like, thank you so much for doing the excellent reporting. That that was all a lie. You know, she she was definitely not who she says she was. And I remember somebody. I, have you ever heard of um, Yvette Carnell? Yeah, Yvette actually she she criticized her, and I felt mm-hmm. kind of, and I was upset because she doesn't like when people criticize. She didn't like when people criticize Stacey Abrams. Because she's in Georgia, but I'm like, but you don't live it, but you live in Georgia. I live in New York. Like, how you gonna criticize her? And turns out everything that she said about yeah. AOC was right. I'm like, wow. It was right. And oh, Stacey, oh, Jesus. Okay, Stacey Abrams is a whole nother. Oh, Jesus. What, I'm sorry. Let me, what do you think about that? Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to, I used to subscribe to her, but I, I'm sorry. I think of that Carnell. Like that's another one. Um, I need to try to get on. She's another person I need to try to get no, on as I well. To, um, if you guys don't follow her, please follow her on YouTube because, because she has way more subscribers than I do. That, that follow her, but follow the but a lot of most community. So they started coming. But you notice you don't channel. see like her go on. You don't see no, these left. I'm not doing this. But she YouTubers does bring her on either. She, she, yeah, she, she's in case she, people don't know, she's part of the um, ADOS movement. Um, American descendants of slaves. She's about reparations. Um, she did not support um, Marcel Dixon. Um, that's a whole. It's, yeah, no, no, not. He's for reparations, but he's not a part of the 
what there are there are different fractions of the ADOS movement. You also have FBA, which is uh, Foundation of Black Foundation of Black Americans. That's by Tariq Nasheed, and you know he's what? a whole different type of Negro. But he's a part um, of that movement, right? So, the F, um, <laughs> to, to politely say. Uh-huh. So yeah, they're they're different fractions, but no, she did, and she actually, if you ever go to her channel, if you ever get a chance, she actually broke down why she didn't support um, Marcel Dixon. Her thing was about tactic, and right. and she also understands the machine that Marcel had against him with um, <laughs> Jim Clyburn. It was to the point that like Jim Clyburn didn't even campaign. That's how comfortable he is. He didn't campaign. He actually went. Oh no no no. He went instead of campaigning. Jim Clyburn went to Texas to campaign for um, what's his name? Yeah, exactly. Henry Cuellar. That's right. That's right. What you guys have to understand, like I went to college in South Carolina. My parents retired in South Carolina. And in that district in particular, it's one of the poorest districts in South Carolina, Jim Clyburn's district. And people still keep voting for him. So you're talking about a district where a lot of people don't even have health care. Oh, yeah, Mark's, and the I mean, person they keep video. voting for keeps it. taking all but this I money from Big for Pharma. Her, it was more of a strategy because she's a so she's a Dixon, I would say Marcel Dixon was correct science. to call him so out at that town hall and say, "What are you? You told us that Joe Biden will look out for the black community, and nothing has been done." He was right to call him out about that. She actually breaks down where Marcel went wrong and why she couldn't support him. In my opinion, this is this is my opinion, and take it any way you want to. Whenever I come, even South Carolina is a whole different. I think they suffer suffer with some type of level of cognitive dissonance. Excuse me, because how in the world did Joe Biden get South Carolina? I mean, that's still. And I think it was, and if I'm not mistaken, Nick was the one who basically broke down why. Joe Biden didn't, I mean, why um, Bernie Sanders could not win South Carolina after you go through all the policies. From what I was, from what I've been told or I heard is that these are black people who've never seen, who never believe that they'll get anything good. So they'll just set up for whatever they can get. And Joe Biden is what they could get. Okay. I thought it was just me. Okay. Uh that's right that's right that's how it is in south carolina i will say that like you guys know like my parents were military so i've lived in a lot of different places but i will say when i moved to south carolina that was the one state where i was like look i gotta get the fuck up out Uh of here and that's not that's nothing against like the people a lot of the people there are sweet and as nice as can be the problem that i saw is that there would be no room for progress. And the problem I saw, particularly in the the African-American community in South Carolina, is like, 
for the most part, people were happy where they are. Even people who were poor were just like, well, this is how it is. You know, I've never been outside of the state. And I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, no, you need to leave this state. Uh -huh. Did you a road trip and I can show you that this is not how it should be. The way that you are living is not normal. And for anybody else li like listening that's going through like financial like struggles, if you live in that, that type of area, it's, this shit is not normal. This shit is not okay. You should not have to be in poverty. You should not have to work three jobs. You should not have to live this way. Your school should not look like this. You shouldn't keep voting for Jim Clyburn just because he throws a damn fish fry, uh -huh. which is overpriced fish in the first damn place. Hell, I could do a fish fry for you for free. And it'll taste better than what he's making. Come on. Come on. Uh -huh. It's that type of mentality. And then you also have like, you look at the population, the majority of people in, in South Carolina are African-American. Yet the uh -huh. state could turn blue. But the majority of African-Americans in South Carolina are not voting. You know why? Because they know shit ain't going to change. That's why. Lindsey Graham continues to win. There's that, and then part of it is voter suppression. But to be honest with you, most African-Americans there do not come out to vote. I know, I stood in the line. So that's another big part of it. But it like I was like, oh, hells no. I got to get up out of here. And I'm talking like even different from Atlanta because I had friends in Atlanta and I would go visit them sometimes. Well, you also got even in Atlanta, I feel like people were um, a little bit more like, yeah, we need to have some progress. So we need to do something different. Then I come back to South Carolina to and everything was just like, well, this is the so way it like, is. Don't go up north. Go up there with those big city folk. And that's I'm why like, what the hell is why the the murder of those nine people in an AME church was very poignant. Like that's, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that because I'm still not over Obama singing Amazing Grace. You know what? We're not going to go there. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. Let me make sure I bring in. I'm gonna bring in Bruce to this conversation too, because I know Bruce is probably like, "What the fuck? When is it gonna be my turn?" Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Um, I don't know if you could hear me. This is my first time on this app, so I can I hear you. If you cannot. Oh, well, anyways, I sent the paid uh, the paid message during your YouTube show because uh, all I can make out from that recording, that 911 call, was that the cop was saying, "Yeah, the the attacker is unknown, but." He's he's a friend, like he's saying he's a friend of Nancy's, um, Pelosi's, and that that's what I got out of the call anyway. That you were playing, that you were saying like didn't make any sense. And now I I didn't mean to explain it th to say that it makes sense. I, I'm not, like I, that's just what I how I heard it was that he probably just said like, well I'm friends with Nancy or whatever. But one of your other colors brought up an interesting point that like maybe they were discovered like the two of them like i think either way you you slice it he was probably let in right like he couldn't have snuck out like it's less likely that he snuck in or broke himself in and the interesting thing is too just looking at all the headlines it doesn't say that he was charged with breaking and entering anywhere 
So I don't know if he was even charged with that. Like it says that he was charged for trying to kidnap. And that's right. It doesn't say anything about breaking and entering, right? So like I, I kind of buy the theory that maybe I don't know what kind of freaky shit he's up to, or maybe he's just like he was just drunk and somebody rang the doorbell and said, "I'm friends with Nancy," and he was like, "Oh, come on in." But like, however he got in, he got in not forcefully, right? Like it seems that way. So that's what it seems yeah, like I mean, to me. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe that he would have broken in, like just based on what's on the table. Now, as far as like. And I don't think I, I've heard a conspiracy theory saying that this whole thing is completely made up, like, and like just a range of crazy other theories. And I think we could probably eliminate that it's completely made up because if it was, they would have made him have like an AR-15 or something. You know what I mean? Like they would have made him like a, a prototype of what the shit, the kind of shit they want to rail against. So like I think, yeah, the most likely scenario is that he was just discovered there, and they had to come up with like an explanation. And it it just sounds like a bunch of people trying to come up with an explanation like that would that will kind of make sense and have everybody leave you alone. Plus, who attacks somebody with a hammer? Like, whose whose weapon of choice is that a hammer? Like, that shit sounds improvised to me. Like, it's just really weird. It's like I don't know, man. This is just weird to me, man. I I don't know. And if he I was super right wing, like he would have been strapped. You know what I mean? Like. Like, it just seems right. unlikely. I don't know. Like, it, the whole thing sounds weird. But I think what's funny is, like, now that it's happened, right, and the, that the news got reported, and it, now the cat is out of the bag, like, that something went down. Like, you see the Democrats doing, like, what they do, what they do more and more of lately, which annoys me, um, which is, like, oh, they don't want to let this go to waste. So now they're going to try to turn this into, like, a speech is dangerous thing and so they could... Uh, start censoring people they don't agree that don't agree with them that are gaining a voice or whatever. Like I see that all the time. Like with the Alex Jones thing, getting sued by that family or whatever. Like, like whether whatever you think of Alex Jones is like, like when I heard the verdict, I was like, I thought we had free speech. Like it's fucked up that people went and harassed those those parents or whatever. And like those are the people that should get arrested as the people harassing the parents. I don't know why you go after a guy that's just saying shit. But I mean, like, if he was telling them, like, oh, go to this address, then yeah, that's that's bad, and there's restrictions on that. But well, I think Alex with, Jones is just a dude uh, with, spitting conspiracies. Well, with, you know um, what I mean? Like Alex Jones, that was like, now they're trying to make that he illegal. Wasn't really, like, that you it can't was not just conspiracy. Be wrong about like, something. You know what I mean? And they're trying to make it wrong to be Jimmy Dore. They're trying to make it wrong. Just trying to make that shit illegal instead of focusing on like you can have. It's such an overreaction to what actually happened. You know what I mean? Free speech is up until it affects somebody else. And in other words, like you can't go into and Coughlin does this all the time. You can't go into a movie theater and yell fire, but if you do that, that's going to cause harm. That's is that free speech? Yes, but does that harm, cause harm? Yes. So free speech isn't technically free speech unless it causes. Right. No, I know there's just got to be reasonable restrictions. And like I said, like if he was calling for people like, hey, go to go to their address, here's their address or whatever, like then that's fucked up and that should not be allowed. But if he was just saying theories like, oh, I think this didn't happen or whatever, and he's just wrong, you know what I mean? Like that should not be illegal or 
or at least it becomes a dangerous question like where do you draw the line then like do you draw the line at somebody like jimmy Dore, saying like you know the that people are fake and they're what you know what i mean it takes any kind of criticism like and uh make tries to criminalize it like where do you where does it become illegal to be critical and say stuff about people you could just be wrong you know what i mean like it should be allowed to be wrong That's, that that's a good point, Bruce. I mean, it just now. sets up like a dangerous yeah. climate for people that talk for a living. You know? Yeah, it really you should does. Never advo I mean, advocate violence, but yeah. I think this is one of the downfalls of the internet, though. It's true. You know, that's that's one of the problems. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, that was. Um, it. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of your show. All right, thanks so much, Jonathan. And I'm bringing in Michael. Michael, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Okay. Hello. Is this working? Hello, I can hear you. Sweet. Hi. Uh, uh, long time watcher, listener, first time caller, talker. Um, how's it going? Hold on, Michael. I'm going to make you a speaker because... Oh, never mind. It's gone now. Okay. How are you? And okay. welcome. Uh, I'm great. Um, so which, what's your take yeah, on all um, of this? Well, I think um, first of all, the uh, Pelosi thing definitely seems like a gay sex thing. I just... It, it really has that vibe. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that we need to think about further explanations because i think we have a whole lot of people that spend a lot of time spinning things anyway so it's 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 not hard to imagine that a, an embarrassing thing happened and they they spun this too so um yeah that's that's my take on that um uh more broadly though um it's uh i, I you know I, I watch american politics because i live in canada and it's very relevant to us and also like in it um, it's increasingly obvious that like all Western countries sort of have the same problem with politicians kind of not really doing what we want them to do. And it's, it's kind of funny because I don't know if you know anything about the Canadian political system. Do you? A little bit. Um, I was actually in, in Montreal mm. and in Quebec city, people are going to laugh at this, but, uh, for, for my honeymoon, and that was the 2016, it was during that time, the presidential election. And I okay. remember we went to this uh, this pub called Winston Churchill's Pub in in uh, Montreal, which, by the way, if you, ever, you guys ever go there, it's not an actual pub. It was more like a nightclub. So that was a whole other story. But we went there. Yeah, most things seem they, to be nightclubs. Where they were. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. So what was weird is like, we're like, yeah, we're, you know, we're in Canada doing the damn thing. Mm. We go into Winston Churchill's pub, right? And the bartenders, they all have won the election, which is what we were trying to get away from. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we migrate from there. We go to this place called the Mad Hatter, which is like right across the street. So you'll see like Alice in Wonderland kind of shit at that bar. We went uh -huh. over there. They had on the election. And then yeah. I remember, like, after, like, you know, Hillary finally conceded, like, 
Canadians were like, I feel so sorry for your country. And some people came up to me like, why would you guys do this? I was like, don't look at me. Like, <laughs> we are not, uh, we're not Trumpers. We're not yeah. like, you know, but, but that's how they saw it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, uh, Canadians pay way more attention to American politics than our own. Uh, mostly, I think, because we know we're not really in charge. Like, it's kind of obvious. I don't know if you've ever watched a Canadian political debate, but they don't. If you compare it to an American political debate, you know, an, an American version, it's just we just don't really talk about certain things. It, it's like, for example, when we talk, we don't talk about foreign policy. And to the extent that it's ever brought up, it's like we sort of shrug and go, well, you know, that's not really it's not really our call. Maybe we'll say something we probably won't be listened to. <laughs> and like 90 percent of it is really kind of repeating what you guys say, like the the the. Political discourse in Canada, I, you know, it's funny because we really, Canadians have a very high opinion of themselves and they tend to think that we're a lot more politically sophisticated than Americans. And if anything, the last couple of years have showed that that's really not true um, because you guys at least have like an understanding or like a growing cynicism about what's going on with the system. Whereas I don't, I don't know what's going to, we, we don't seem to be there yet. Um, for a variety of reasons. We're very balkanized as a culture. Well, I would think like maybe um, you guys are not as as engaged with foreign policy. They have to do with the fact that your military is not usually involved with uh, the conflict. I mean, it, it would be nice if that were the case, but increasingly it is. Like uh, often, like if, if you take a look at all kinds of provocative stuff that's that's going on that, you know, obviously you guys are in charge in terms of like Taiwan situation and whatnot, but there's always like a Canadian chip in there. Like there was a Canadian chip involved in the latest crossing of the, whatever that sea is around, the, around Taiwan, which I should know the name of, but I forget. Um, and there's like Canadian fighter jets um, patrolling the area and uh, around there. And of course there's all the Canadian involvement in Ukraine. Like we, uh, we sent, we, we have trained, we, we trained people, we sent weapons, like we're completely on board with uh, everything you guys do, which didn't actually used to be the case. Like if you look back at the, uh, the Iraq war, we famously to ourselves, like didn't actually support it, even though like we sent resources and stuff, but like our official position was that we didn't support the Iraq war, but things are totally right. different now. Like now we're just, now we just kind of do whatever you say. But is the Canadian government bombing people in Somalia and uh, providing arms to Saudi Arabia to to commit like genocide against like people in Yemen? Like, you see what I mean? Uh, is is well, we is do have Canadian weapons companies that do sell to those places, like, and and we sell a lot of weapons technology as well, and like supporting technology. Like, um, there's apparently Canadian drone controllers in like um, uh, Ukrainian drones that are being used um obviously in ukraine um and then there's uh there's other stuff like there's we sell i, I know for sure uh, not too long ago i heard a story about us I, I believe it was it was like broadly reported about us selling security software to help people track down distance using like satellite technology and all that kind of stuff that's the kind of thing we do we have, we're very much integrated into the united states's military industrial complex security infrastructure thing to the point that like 
it's, it's hard to really say that like we ever could be independent, even if we wanted to. Like we, we're kind of fully in that system, you know. And we're, we're it's, it's usually not the case. You can distinguish between what you're doing and what we're doing. That's unfortunate. I guess I, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't aware of that, but I think that I'm, I'm glad you informed me about that. Um, yeah, it's actually like a debate within like Canadian political, uh, geopolitical economy circles, like whether we are our own imperialists or whether we're just sort of a side imperialist to you. And <laughs> I think, um, actually like the Ukraine is Ukraine war has, as well as the Taiwan thing has revealed that we're really not working on our own benefit because none of this really benefits us, right? We're an extremely small country. It doesn't really make sense for us to be going and trying to start provocation, start wars with China or Russia or really anyone, but we are. So it, it doesn't, yeah, that, that like, argument seems to be settled. Has to, like, you know what's going to have to happen, right? Other countries are going to have to push back against the United States like wars, and, yep. and I hate to say it, but it's going to have to be our allies that say, wait a minute, you've gone too far here, not getting involved with this. Yeah, but our, that's like, I, I think most of our allies function basically like Canada does, basically as satellite states at this point. Like, I think Germany will probably do something at some point, but like, I kind of thought they would have done it already with, you know, them you know, losing their, their main power, uh, their, their trade access and all that kind of, like their economy is going completely to hell. So it's not in their best interest to be doing this, but they're doing it anyway. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. Um, I think, you know, the people, yeah, the people are just going to have to eventually like, and I wish like we had the kind of protests that are happening, like in France and in Germany and in the UK, like, I wish we had those kind of protests. Like they have thousands of people like out in the street right now, protesting against like the sanctions and yeah, of course, the inflation and, and things like that. And by the way, these countries have health care for everybody. Yeah, no, that's true. Although, I mean, increasingly less so. Because um, <laughs> that's kind of all going to hell with, uh, with the, you know, losing. Uh, Germany lost like 40% of its energy from this, I think is the right stat. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's really bad for them. They're not in good shape. But it, it doesn't seem like short of actually changing the, the political system, like not even the leadership, because the leadership, even if they change leaders, they still support the same policies. There's been what, two prime ministers in Britain. There's change in Italy. There's been, I, I don't I, I actually lost track of all the changes all over Europe. But like even <laughs> in the time since the war has begun, there's been a whole lot of changes and nothing has actually mattered. Right. Like. The, the, the policy is still the same. They're still going for this. Um, although I guess, in fairness, Germany was probably trying to change course before Nord Stream 2 was blown up. So, You know what's interesting, too? Like, for those who are not aware, like, no. Germany's economy, for the most part, has been pretty strong. Um, mm. At least during, like, my lifetime. Like, that's, like, my second country. Yeah. It's, like, that's my second country. And so, like, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. It's, and they're very even their economy is suffering now and i'm like you know everybody's like struggling because of this i talked to my friend in the uk and he was just like yeah i don't know if we're gonna have yeah. heat this winter yeah <laughs> yeah no it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like 
Because there were people that were saying that this exactly this was going to happen like six months ago or whenever the war started or before that, right? And so it's really no surprise if you were thinking about it, but like the people in charge that made all these decisions either didn't understand that or didn't care. And that's what's kind of amazing. And like, it doesn't, you know, to me, I actually don't, like, I, I don't know how we can expect there to be change unless there's like structural change in, in the political systems themselves. And that's like, that's a pretty tough thing to make happen in, in pretty much all of our countries. Like Michael, sometimes I feel like, I feel like the United States governments want these other countries to collapse, even the ones that are supposed to be our allies. I feel like the United States government wants Germany's economy to collapse. They want the UK's yeah, economy don't... to collapse. And I say that because like Germany, like I said, for the most part, it had a strong economy. They have some of the best mm -hmm. engineers in the world. They have free mm -hmm. college. They give healthcare to everyone. That's a threat ever since this rise of the progressive movement in the United States. Yeah. Richard Werner, he's an economist. Uh, he's German. He said exactly the same thing. He said like a couple of weeks ago that if you were to take, if you were just to say like as a premise, you know, how would you try to destroy the American, uh, the German economy if you were America? This is how you would do it, right? And it's, it's not surprising because like, just losing the energy alone, right? That basically means that German industries can't be competitive, right? And and like a lot of these industries are either moving over back to North America, which is handy for North America, as North America is basically deindustrialized, or they're leaving the West altogether because of like, well, this is kind of crazy. But I think a lot of them are coming back here. This is sort of the impression I'm getting. So, but yeah, no. And I'm gonna tell you, what's that? that exactly can you that. put his name in the chat? Um, the economist name in the chat? Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's uh, Richard you know Werner. Richard. Richard Werner. Let me do that. Richard Werner. Because I'm I'm trying to get um some economists come on. Um, I'm going to try to see if I can get Jeffrey Sachs to come on, since I saw mainstream media has been kind of nasty to him as well, but he's been telling the truth. Um, yeah, no, he, yeah, definitely. Great. I I just yeah, I I just think that like this is all just you know the U.S. just trying to dominate the rest of the world. And I think they fear the rise of like these social programs. I really think they do fear that. And then you have like what we just talked about earlier tonight, uh, Lula yeah. winning, right? So I was told like a couple weeks ago, oh, he's probably not going to win the second round. But that happened. Right? Yep. No, absolutely. So the United States government, even when it's Democrats in power, they say they want uh, people to have their rights but they have supported right-wing uh, regimes abroad. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's all about preserving unipolar hegemony. I mean, they, you know, the people that write things like full spectrum, uh, we need to uh, to utilize full spectrum dominance, you know, and, you know, and, and control like every element of culture and media and society and the economy and everything else in order to maintain that dominance like they don't just they're not just going to roll over you don't have 800 bases around the world by accident right it's it's part of an overall right. strategy and and you know that's that you know and it's very um you know uh there's another economist um michael hudson you know who he is right 
He's on uh, Multipolarista a lot, but he, he has a really great video where he talks about how um, the Greek empires collapsed and how um, they had, I think it's pronounced a Thelucides problem and how um, what what's happening to America is a lot like what happened to Sparta, whereas uh, they had the society that was yes. basically constructed around militarism and imports, right? And so they couldn't really give up their control of sort of their source of all their imports for their economy to continue to function. And so because their society as a whole didn't actually like make things, it was, it was just all kind of militarized and sort of internally um, uh, centered. Um, and then the, the Athenians had a similar problem where they had this uh, apparently democratic protective defensive league, but because they were the biggest city in it and because um, they're always, they, they sort of controlled the, the narrative of it and it sort of devolved over time into another form of sort of military dictatorship that spanned a bunch of states, but it was, and it was supposed to be democratic, but really Athens controlled everything because of the, because of their military power. Anyway, he's another good one as a reference. Yeah. Michael Hudson, he's another one I want to get to come on. Um, I want people to hear from different people because I know I talk about Richard Wolf a lot, but like, yeah. I would like to hear from you know, different economists as well. And like, we've had people come on and talk about MMT as well, um, which I also think is really important. So, yeah, MMT yeah. seems to be, although I wonder if it will still work with like dollar dominance loss, because there's a lot of people that speculated, or at least some people that speculated, like I don't know if you know who Mark Blythe is, but he's another um, another person in the field. Um, and he has, he, he does podcasts out of the Rhodes Center, um, which is, mm -hmm related to the Watson School, which does a lot of really good anti-war stuff as well. You're probably familiar with them, but um, I forget where I was going with that. Uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought. A road center? Yes. Um, road center. You know what? I lost it, but that's okay. Um, check out the rest <laughs> Welcome Check out to the, lot of the, the yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, I, re I had it there for a second, but there was a name and it's economist and it's someone at the Watson Institute. And I forget why I was bringing it up. Oh no, Mark Blythe, because Mark Blythe talked, talks, talked to uh, all the people talking about MMT years ago. Right. And he was uh, Stephanie Kelton and all those people. That's why. So, um, he and a lot of other people raise the concern that like the, the reason that you can have this unlimited borrowing, which is sort of what MMT depends on, is that um, the dollar is, you know, the, the global reserve currency, which allows you this sort of unlimited bank, theoretically. And that might not work as well for the U.S. And it's in, in a situation where it doesn't necessarily have dollar dominance. Well, thank you anyway, so much, Michael. I want to bring in the next caller. That is Gary. By the way, I love like our international community, you guys. It's really cool to hear from people from, from other countries. What's going on, Gary? Hey, how's it going, Saps? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Great job on Rising, by the way, today. God bless that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, so regarding the Jimmy Dore thing and, and kind of um, connecting it to something that I heard um, mentioned earlier, um, you had a, a guest on named, I think, Jonathan or something like that. And he tried to 
uh, I guess, mention that Alex Jones' speech kind of stops being free when it affects others. And I'm like, that's exactly what they're saying about Jimmy Dore. So thus, he kind of just said that Jimmy Dore is responsible for Paul Pelosi's attack. So he kind of, like, literally, like, created the, like, went along with the logic that's being used to smear Jimmy Dore. So I, I almost feel, and I don't know if he was aware of that or he wasn't aware of that, but I just feel like that's very revelatory of, like, a huge problem that's taking place on with the online, quote-unquote, left or whatever the case may be, that there, it's, it has been for a long time. I mean, there are a few exceptions, like yourself and, and, and Jimmy Dore to a certain degree. They're devoid of principles. Um, everything is a matter of bias and um, propaganda. And so double standards don't seem to trouble anyone. Unfortunately, the fact that they're so amenable to double standards is the whole reason why they can blame Jimmy Dore for Paul Pelosi's attack with a straight face. Because like creating these logical fallacies becomes so commonplace because no one's no one said that's ridiculous when they did it to Alex Jones, who's less popular. Like Alex Jones is not not I mean, the thing is people hate I don't know who who has more people who hate them, Alex Jones or Jimmy Dore, because Jimmy Dore is more mainstream. So there's an argument that can be made that more people hate Jimmy Dore than Alex Jones. Um, But that shouldn't dictate whether or not they have to write to be treated fairly. And when you say, oh, Alex Jones doesn't need to be treated fairly because I hate him, then that opens the door for Jimmy, opens the door for Jimmy Dore. And then once Jimmy Dore is allowed to be treated unfairly, then guess who's next? And on and on it goes. I mean, Brianna Joy Gray is going to have to deal so many different elements on this side of the aisle, or you know, any side of the aisle, are going to have to deal with quote unquote bad faith attacks, and which by proxy are attacks on a principle of the First Amendment freedom of speech, which means speech without consequence, because you know to connect to the the talking point that. If you have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom from consequence. It's like freedom of speech means speech with no consequence. That's the whole point of freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. You know, that's... Point, Gary. I think that what, I, what I've noticed as well, um, as, as someone who is a part of the space, and I didn't notice this before I was a part of the space, people would pick teams. And it's like, if you're not against the person that they're against you're not on their team and if you're not on their team then they'll smear you so like those of us at rbn people have been smearing us since day one like back when we were fred hampton leftists like people there was all kinds of like people coming after us saying that we're grifting off to fred hampton's name which by the way at that point in time there were like what eight members I mean, guys, do the math. You see how much we, like, our, our numbers are public. Even my numbers are public. So people see how much I make in Super Chats. People see how much I make on my Patreon page. If you go on there, it's, a pub, it's public, right? So the fact that people said that, like, eight people, and then it eventually got to 11 people, 11 people were grifting, we weren't really making any money. 
And so it was really upsetting. And then we did that general strike summit and all of a sudden they were like, oh, who do these people think they are calling for a general strike? And we're like, we are people that have been a part of the working class that know what it's like to struggle financially in this country. And we realize this political system is not going to save us. And for some reason that really pissed off a lot of these large accounts like on YouTube that said that we should fight for Medicare for all, all of a sudden, all that fighting went away after Joe Biden won. And so they want us to criticize politicians. But what I found is that they didn't want us to criticize their politicians, even when they were in the wrong. And I don't buy that. Like, I think all public officials, you know, deserve the right to be criticized. If you're not doing your job, they're public officials. The problem is, that we live in a time now where these politicians have become celebrities. And part of that is because of social media, I I think. And so now it's like, how dare you criticize AOC? How dare you criticize uh, even Joe Biden? Like, how dare you criticize Joe Biden? I'm like, you fucking serious? Like, how dare you criticize Bernie Sanders? How dare you? I'm like, I'll criticize anyone who's not doing their job, who's a public servant, who I donated money to, who some of us canvassed for. Like Nick quit his job to canvas for Bernie Sanders. Rome canvassed for Bernie Sanders both election cycles in a row and was in a Bernie Sanders ad. Like did Rome get paid for that? No. So like they're criticizing the people who were actually doing the work on the ground. We did the marches for Medicare for all last year in this country in over 50 cities. How many people even promoted the marches on their channel? Not many. TYT sure as hell didn't didn't promote it, but they want to talk about it now and say, oh, it was a good idea. Anna Kasparian says, I support that. Really? Then why didn't you respond to the organizers when they asked to come onto your show to promote it? This is the problem that we're running into. It's become very clear to me, I will say, since I've been in this space, that some people just want to be media personalities and make a lot of money off of this. And they never really intended to fight. They told us to go out there and fight. And they said, if the DNC rigs it against Bernie Sanders, you guys better be there to protest. And they wanted us to do it, but they're lazy as fuck. And they never planned on getting out there fighting for anything. And then when the Bernie Sanders movement ended and Joe Biden won, all of a sudden it's like, let's defend and simp for Joe Biden. And the squad is doing the best they can. Like some of us forgot what the principles were for justice Democrats. I didn't forget. That's why I reminded people recently on my show, let me remind you what they signed on for and they signed a pledge. Now all of a sudden we're supposed to forget all that so that other people can make a lot of money. And that's not okay. And that's not fair. And I think that I feel used. Like I really do. I feel stupid for ever even believing in these people, man. Yeah, everybody so was chasing everybody was chasing clout and financial gain and, and largesse. And I think that goes all the way up to the top. And I think that's the that's the sad thing about it, that everyone was kind of in it to grift. Um, and I, like I said, I think that goes all the way to the top. I, I, I never think, I don't think Bernie Sanders ever intended to to actually run a winning campaign. I think he was just a sheep, a sheep dog trying to bring money into the Democratic Party, which he did very successfully. If I'm, a, if I'm the DNC, I'm looking at Bernie Sanders as a, as a hero and a big a, a big time earner, he's um he's what you call a bottom B. Um, but 
the, the sad thing is because they never tried they never treated him with that type of respect they always diminished him they always demeaned him they threatened to put his wife in jail um and still he bent on and still he was always on his knees for them so like I understood that, and I always appreciated Jimmy Dorff being the only person who jumped off the train after 2016. When other people tried to, you know, revive that dead dog, Jimmy Dorff was like, forget that guy. <laughs> as soon as I saw him uh, saw him campaigning for Hillary Clinton, I was like, nah. I was in Prospect Park when he came to New York, and I never saw anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I did my part in getting mercilessly mocked by West Indian, older West Indians constantly pushing the Bernie Sanders message while they're looking at me like, what? Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, Uncle Bernie? We're not voting for no Uncle Bernie. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tell you about his part. He's the one who actually asked me about it. And I'm selling that, that, that line until I'm like, is this dude stumping for Hillary Clinton? What? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not stumping for this guy anymore. Forget about that. And Jimmy Dore, and I think that's where it started with Jimmy. Jimmy actually had principles. He was like, what? I'm not going for a guy. Who, I'm not going for a human being. Forget who it is who's pushing, who's telling me to vote for Hillary Clinton. And he got knocked out of the club for that. And it was a principled yeah. stance. It was a principled stance, but he got knocked out of the club because he went against King Bernie. Tulsi Gabbard. People hate Tulsi Gabbard. For seemingly no reason. There's a reason. She ran against King Bernie in 2020. You ran against Father Bernie. You, how dare you run against Father Bernie? You know. And she and Tulsi Gabbard also endorsed Bernie instead of Hil- uh, Hillary Clinton. That was a big kill to her career. Oh, she. That's what I'm saying. Like, and that was the thing that made me even like. You know, I already didn't respect him for pushing Hillary, but then during the 2020 campaign when they were disrespecting and smearing Tulsi. You would think she threw her career away for you. You would at least give her a kind word. Whenever the media would ask him about Tulsi, he would literally be like, no hablo inglés. Like, I don't know that chick, you know? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? She threw her career away from you and you can't even say a nice word to, about her in the press? Like, I literally lost, not, not like, forget about political respect. I lost respect for him as a human being. I was just like, this is, this is crazy. At least give her some props. Like her career is literally dying before our eyes, all because of you. And you can't even give her a lifeline. You can't even say, you know what? I really like Tulsi. No, he saved all his love for Joe Biden. You know, it's crazy. Even after Katie Halper tried to give him the October surprise, he he responded to that by quitting his campaign the next day and telling her to vote for Joe Biden. Yep. Wild for the night. Oh, it is what it is, man. It is what it's it is. It's very true. It's very true. It's very sad. And, you know, Bernie Sanders, like, doesn't not coming on independent media or only if certain people will be removed. It's like, you know, it, it has to be like, if you were Kyle, you got to feel like some kind of a damn fool. All those years promoting Bernie Sanders, like, on your channel. And then you finally get this show, Crystal Kyle and Friends, and he agrees to come on only if you're not there. Yo. And he was acting like like uh, Bernie was his surrogate father. Like that was the thing about it. I was sad. Nobody worshipped Bernie more than Kyle Kalinsky. He literally is like Bernie. Mm-hmm. Talk to talk to Crystal, and it was just like, what is happening here? 
I like uh, I just don't like the way he handled himself as a human being. And you know, to, to you can't you can't I'm not gonna follow you, quote unquote, if you don't comport yourself like a leader. And he definitely yep. didn't comport himself like a leader. And and like I said, I don't believe he was ever leading anybody to anything but to the coffers of the DNC anyway. So well, you know, I'm not I'm not going along for that ride. And I know he has some true believers too, but you know, and I feel bad for the true believers because they they thought they would they thought they were on a real ride, you know, and and, and it just it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but though the people who have principles need to continue to to congregate, and the people who don't have principles and are just in it to try to find a spot that you know gives them the most money, like the Sam Cedars of the world, things like that. It's just like yo, I'm just I'm just here to make this cash. Like I don't I forget what horse I got to ride. You know, let's just let's just make this paper. You know, but like, oh my goodness, and you know, R.I.P. to Michael Brooks. I said this on another call, and I'm gonna say this um, on this one because I, I still to this day think it's one of the most memorable moments in the history of lefty YouTube media. It happened very shortly before he passed. He literally was super introspective. Remember when he split away from the Sam Cedar, um channel? He created his own Michael Brooks network, and in that channel he was a lot more serious and a lot more principled and ideological and comprehensive about actually helping people it wasn't yep. just like shit lips nonsense that he was doing on sam cedar's platform and he said we can't be so dehumanizing about the working class if we're pretend if we're larping as leftists like we're doing this lefty larp thing that everybody on youtube is doing where we say oh worker this worker that every other word is about workers all we do is dehumanize the working class based on their politics. That's and he right. was being and he was being introspective in the sense that we can't do that. Like that doesn't work. We can't be pro worker and constantly dehumanize workers, regardless of their politics, regardless of the color of their hat. And I remember listening to that and thinking Michael Brooks is the type of dude who has the gravitas and the intelligence to really do something with that. If he was gonna and and then unfortunately he passed before he had a chance to really take it to the next level. And there's no one really on that type of time. I mean, Jimmy Dore, he's talk, he will talk to anybody, but he's not Michael Brooks from, you know, he can't bring it all together. I mean, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is, is probably the best that we have now, but he gets so much disdain because he's so aloof that I just feel like he doesn't connect to a certain group of people the way Michael Brooks would have. But I think Glenn Greenwald is the closest thing to somebody who just is so fiercely adhering to principles that he doesn't really care about your personal biases. He doesn't care about who you hate. He's just like, let's, we're free people in a free country. Let's forget about it. who you hate doesn't matter. Let's exploit all this freedom we have before we lose it. And, you know, it's like, Either that's what type of time you want, or you're going to be the typical liberal who just literally wants to sit around and talk about whether or not they hate, you know, Trump supporters or, you know, this this person or that person all day. And by the time they get done talking about all the people they hate, you know, there's no time for policy and there's no time for compassion. This well is said, Gary. Well all right, said. God bless. Yeah. Thank nice you so much. You oh, thank you. God you bless too. you. Definitely. I'm going to bring in uh, Jota. You are the next caller. And Roger Meadows, you're also a speaker. 
Um, so, Jota, you will need to unmute, and here we go. To unmute, and here we go. Go ahead, Jota. Hello? So I hear sound, but no voice. Okay, I'm gonna make you a speaker and I'm gonna go ahead and bring in, uh, Jota, can you hear me? Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in Brady and make him the next caller. Brady, you're on the mic, you just have to unmute. Just gotta hit unmute. Maybe it's the the app. Uh, Jota, are you are you speaking or no? Oh, Jota might be Jota might be asleep. Um, Roger, go ahead. Roger, go ahead. Oh yeah, so um, I wanted to back up what. Michael was talking talking about because he was asking about Richard Warner. Um, actually, I sent you. I, I didn't expect you to read the whole thing because I know it was a lot. But a couple of days ago, I sent you um, a tweet. You and a bunch of other people, and it was a chain of twenty-five different messages, all chained. What? Hello? What was that? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what that is. Do you have on Bluetooth, Roger? Okay. Do you have on Bluetooth, Roger? Oh, hold up. Okay. 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 That's better, right? I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of days ago, I sent you something. Um, and you and a and a bunch of other people. It was like a 25 chain linked uh, Twitter Twitter thing about public banks. If you look at the 25th one, that video was with Professor Richard Werner because, and I said, look at the specific, it's, it's a 15 minute thing um, that he was doing, but I put a marker on there where he was, I said, look at this marker right here. He was talking about public banks. So he said, we have to get away from centralized banking and go to democratized banking like other countries do and have pretty much, I'm, I'm ad-libbing, but a network of public banks where the, the banking system is democratized you know, throughout instead of centralized in DC or New York. Um, so yeah, check, you know, Check check that out. Um, yeah, also, I'll have to check it because yeah, um, that was a long thread. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I got I got I was feeling the spirit, <laughs> and I just went into typing, 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 typing. I mean, you did respond to one of them. Um, 
but it was packed full of information there. Um, the other thing was, if you can take that thing, um, the thing you did on Obama today, and make that two clips, the one before you talked about the Intercept article with, um, you know, with uh, black people losing wealth under him, and another clip with the starting with the Intercept article, the banks. It will be it will be all one clip because we don't because YouTube don't work that way. Like if I split that up into two different clips, it would be I would have to use the same tags for the same. It's better just to have it as one clip. But yeah, we can clip it. Okay. I have to send that to a friend. He told me, don't send me. He said, don't send Jimmy Dore stuff to me no more. I think he's a closet racist. I was like, oh, I think he might have some racial blind spots, <laughs> but I don't think that I really, I don't think that he's racist. I think he, I think, he, I mean, I heard him say a couple of things that was just like, no, Jimmy, that's not what black people are asking for. So he said something on the Tucker Carlson show, whatever the case is, but I was like, no, 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 you, Jimmy, you don't speak for black people. Let us speak for ourselves. But yeah, other things, whatever. But he's just like, stop sending me Jimmy Dore stuff. But he's kind of like, um, it, he's, he's, we, uh, we used, let me tell you something. He, half of us, you got to understand something. Half of my generation is like, we used to think like a lot of baby boomers. I always, I always felt thought like a millennial before you guys came along but i'm like well it is what it is and i guess that's what it is and we got to find a way to get in where you fit in then you guys came along and you said with your occupy wall streeting and all that different type of stuff i said yo that's the way i used to think mm-hmm. and, you got, and you guys said um no we don't have to accept this because what we did was we just accepted it this is the way it is so just Get in where you fit in. You millennials came along. And I said, oh, shit. You mean to tell me we didn't have to accept that? We could actually do something about it? I didn't know that we had a choice. That's right. So, you know, so it, you know, so the, 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 uh, the millennials bought out the, 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 uh, the, um, the, the 20 year old in me when you, when you guys came along or whatever the case is, right? But half of us still think like uh, baby boomers because we just thought, oh, you know, you respect your elders. They know what they've been through it all. They know what they're talking about or whatever the case is. And the other half went with you guys. And we're like, nah, them, them dudes took us down the wrong path. You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right. So I've, I've been sending him stuff like stuff that she would do and he would he wouldn't really respond to it. You know, maybe it's because, you know, he sees a black woman, um, you know, who's educated, um, who's who carries herself well and, you know, you know, looks like a librarian or something. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think he's like, all right, all right, a sister speaking. So I I could take a little bit more serious or whatever the case is. And, you, you know, you, you know, you articulate yourself well or whatever the case is. Right. But. You know, we 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 used to think kind of alike. I mean, this I knew this guy longer than anybody. You know, look, we knew each other since second grade. He moved to uh, he moved to uh, New Jersey. Um, it's funny because he he actually, you know, um, Lauren Hill. She's she's not from Newark. She's from uh, 
a suburb in New Jersey that he goes to and he sees her at all the basketball games, like with the high school basketball thing or whatever the case is, you know, just a little, just a little trivia there, whatever the case is. But um, that would definitely be like a, a, a good thing that I could send to him. But um, yes, the, but the 25th thing that um, with the Professor Richard Werner, I was just like, oh, shoot, I got to check this guy out. And I want to say this. I was watching um, uh, Killer Mike on this thing that Charlemagne the God has, that same show he was interviewing the vice president on or whatever the case is. And he said the best, you know, this dude is a rapper when he, cause he said a line on there that I was like, oh shit, I got to use, I got to steal that line. Uh, he said, when we're talking about moral objectivity, most politicians ain't shit. They're whores for money. But the question is, which prostitute is working the strip for me? Wow. <laughs> What's that? Killer Mike said that? Yeah, yeah, on that, on that, um, Charlemagne the God show. You, you know that show that he would he interviewed uh, the vice president on, and he and remember when he asked her who's the president, Joe Manchin or Joe Biden, and she's like, that oh, is yeah. the Republican talking point. Yeah, that show. I was like, oh shit, you got some lyrics. I gotta use that shit. I gotta use it. Yeah, but even on that show, because that's mainstream media, they're only willing to let him go, but so far. So he pushed back on Kamala Harris a little bit. But not oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of us would. Yeah, yeah of course. I yeah, I, I know that. I don't know what's going on with this app, but Brady fell off. I don't. I don't know what happened. And I've invited the last two callers to to speak, but you guys gotta accept the invite so you can become speakers. That way, you're not waiting in the calling queue. Um, but this, I don't know. This app is weird. It says 179 people. But it doesn't show me all the people. <laughs> so I don't know. Anywho, um, let me go ahead and bring in, let's try to bring in um Jota. You have to unmute. Um because you're a caller, but you have to hit unmute. Or one of you have to accept the uh invite. I don't the invite to speak. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know if I don't know if, if Jolt is using the app or using the computer. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So the um, I don't know. This, you know what? I, you know what it is. I think the whole thing with uh, Jimmy Dore and all that different type of stuff. You know, I think people are bored and they just ain't got nothing else better to do. I mean, we're not getting any wins. I mean, would we really be talking about this if we were getting these policies passed? We'd be going, yay, we got these policies passed. You know what I mean? And and that's why I think it's so important for us to do what we can not do where we're at to try to get these policies passed. You know? And mm -hmm. that's what it is. People... People are turning on each other because, uh, there's, you know, we're not getting any wins. You know what I mean? And But I just think people are doing the wrong, you know, like, I think people are trying to bite off more than they can chew. Um, you know, my mother used to tell me, you know, I used to be a very hungry kid. I used to 
like when I, you know, when I was younger, when I became a teenager, I was eating everything in the house. I was like, how you eat so much and be so freaking skinny? And my mom said, tell me your eyes are bigger than your belly, boy. So, cause sometimes I don't eat everything or whatever the case is. And, um, I think we bite off more than we can chew and we decide that we're going to do this national route. You know what I mean? And, and like I said, I think, I think the way to do it is the state route. But Roger, this is why I say, like, looking back on it, and, and tell me if you feel differently, feel free. But looking back on it, I don't know, man. I feel like Justice Democrats deciding to start at the national level instead of the local level, I think that might have been a mistake. I think we should have started small and then built our way up. Does that make sense? Yes, but you only know that now because of trial and error. I mean, That's what did true. they say? What did they say? Something about inventions, the something about you had to fail a million times before you got it right or something like that. I know there's a saying something like that. Um, yeah, because you're not going to hit it off the first time. You know what I mean? The enemy is always is always trying to uh, take back power or hold on to power. They don't give up. You know what I mean? So neither should we. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that was the way to go so we can learn from it. You know, what did you learn from this? You know, you have those things where you write a little report. All right, what did you learn from this? And then, you know, you take it in and you go, okay, all right, well, that wasn't the way to go. Let's try this. You know what I mean? Um, we tried we tried going, we tried infiltrating the Democrat Party. All right, well, that ain't work. Okay, what else are we going to try? All right, let's do third party. Oh, they're not letting us in. They're not letting us in. So, all right, so what do we do now? Blow up the whole shit and just abolish all parties. Fuck it. <laughs> if we can't get none, then nobody can get none. We'll just blow the whole thing up and we'll just, all of us register independent. I say, on like I said, on those ballot initiative states, imagine, uh, let me see, out of 23 of them, 17 are allowed to use that process to um, to amend their state constitution. So, like I said, if, right. 17 of them, if 17 of them put as a ballot initiative to amend their constitution to abolish all political parties at every level of government, you would break the Senate, U.S. Senate. You would break the uh, the um, the House. You know what I mean? And and how would how would the presidents run in those 17 states? How, you know, the, the candidates run in those 17 states, you know what I mean? You would break, you know, like it's not the system is broken. The system is fixed and we have to break it. So I'm, I'm looking for all different right. types. Oh, oh. That's right. But oh. this is the thing too. Uh, and this is why I brought this up on rising this morning, because I was like, look, this is my chance. I know this is my second time on there, but I'm like, this is my chance to really get across to people that people, if, especially if you live in a ballot initiative state, you should be focusing on those ballot initiative questions and what you can do locally. So even if you don't want to vote for any candidates, still come out and vote for the, the questions on the ballot. That's key. Like, imagine if everybody in Massachusetts was like a couple of years ago, yeah, I'm not feeling the candidates. I'm just not going to go out and vote at all. We wouldn't have legalized marijuana. You see what I'm mm -hmm. saying? There were some people who came out to vote just for that. That's mm -hmm. what people don't understand. Like, Medicare for All is on the ballot this year in Massachusetts. Has anybody talked about it besides me? Mm -hmm. 
I don't hear anybody yeah, else talking about it. Yeah, that was wild. I saw that thing that you sent me. It's it's in the so you got the little the little ones like the the little municipalities. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is one of the ways of doing it, right? So one of the ways of doing it is by implementing it by a couple of counties first, then seeing if okay if it passes there, then we can spread it through the rest of the state. In fact, I think there's one county in Wisconsin um, that's trying yeah. to do this as well. So this is really important for people to know. But like I said, all these people who kept praising and, and preaching Medicare for all for the past couple of years before I even started this show, they're not even talking about the facts. Like a lot of them are not even talking about the fact that whole Washington is out here trying to get universal health care on the ballot of Washington state. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of us have interviewed them multiple times, but when it comes to the bigger shows, they've ignored them. And I know this because I know they've reached out to them. Same thing with the, the New York uh, Health Act. Yeah, How oh, many yeah. people talked about? Are you kidding me? You have majority report in New York and they're not even talking yep. about the fact Kyle that it's the New York Health Act. Exactly. They're not even talking about it because you know why? It's not attached to the squad. It's not attached to Justice Democrats. It's not attached to the Bernie Sanders progressive movement. That's bullshit. They're selling their people short. And people need to understand that some of these things, they can get passed through the state. Now, obviously, there's a problem with places like D.C., right? Because Mm -hmm. D.C. is not a state. And this goes back to the push for D.C. to statehood. Like, Mm -hmm. they have no control over the say-so because they're not a state. But I think that, like... They get taxed to death. Right. Like, we we got to understand that, like... Even when it comes to some of the red states that are ballot initiative states, they're passing progressive legislation. Yep. There are more red states that allow for them than blue states. Oh, did I lose it? This was the problem that I had, I think, when Crystal Ball said on her interview with Bree that she was focused on the presidency. That was the problem that I had was that you are ignoring all the progressive accomplishments that have happened on the local level. That's a problem. If your only focus is going to be on the presidency, then you are leading people into a fucking like grave. It's like Shama Sawant said, the road to the Democratic Party for a progressive is a graveyard. It's true. Like, why are they only focusing on the national level? Why are they That's- not talking about what's being passed on the, in the states, like the local level? See, that's exactly. I have to add this. Look, Florida is not a blue state. Florida, and some people say it's a swing state. I call bullshit because looking at the data, Florida is a red state. Florida passed $15 minimum wage. You know why? It wasn't attached to a candidate, which means it wasn't attached to a political party. So -hmm. when people go to vote, they're just looking at the question at hand. This is very important. Yeah. Because the... um... What do you call it? Uh, they had, I know one of the turnoffs I had when um, Sam Cedar was debating Brianna Joy Gray. And he said that, he said that Jimmy Dore ruined his ability to fight for the New York Health Act. I'm like, so wait a minute, a guy on the other side of the damn country ruined ruined it for you, spoiled it for you, to push for the New York Health Act? A Californian? 
Like, really? Like, come on, Sam. You didn't you you, you didn't want to push for it to begin with. I hope I run into some of these cats. You know, I mean, I mean they'll never come out here, but if if I'm ever in Queens or something, I know that. Could you ever I, imagine I, if you saw them in person? Like, come on, guys. Like, some of you, like, Emma Vigilant's parents are DNC. Like, and at least, like, Max Blumenthal admits it. I think that's the difference. Like, Max Blumenthal admits, yeah, my parents are heavy, like, DNC, but he's not. But at least he admits that. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is the thing. Like, let's try and stop pretending that you're like, you know, this whole movement in reference to the the commentator side, mm-hmm. it's been led by these, what CJ calls the PMCs, it's been led by them and they're the ones talking about how to get a working class movement, but they've never been working class. Why didn't mm-hmm. I see the flaw in this from the very beginning? My friend is, that guy, um, my friend who I grew up with is PMC. But it's funny because his dad was blue collar. His, his dad used to like do strikes and shit for the phone company, mm-hmm. and um, and that's why we have like uh, like it, it, it's funny because you know when when um, LeBron was doing his strike, trying to do his strike, and Obama talked him away from the ledge or whatever. Uh, he didn't fault Obama. It, the the way he the the way he like twisted. I'm like. No, I say, like, I was like, bro, the Obama is the killer of movements. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But I mean, um, but my most of my um sibling, no, all of my siblings are are boomers because I came along uh, late. You know what I mean? And um, two of my siblings from my dad, they used to be uh, Black Panthers. Oh, damn, um, Roger. See, you guys keep asking me, like, why don't you bring Roger Meadows on? Roger won't come on camera. He told me. <laughs> I try. Stay low. Keep firing. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get me, trying to get me killed. Oh, that's the motherfucker that we got to get after. Next thing you know, I got J. Edgar Hoover and all different types of people. But, um, coming after me. But, um. Cannon just said, Cannon said in the chat, that's exactly like it is here in Arizona with our BIs. My county voted 65% for Trump and for marijuana legalization. You guys see what I'm talking about? There you go. Oh, so he's from Arizona. So listen, does he, do you know, Cameron, about Arizona for Medicare for All? Because we're trying to, um, I'm trying to, like, I just met them last month or whatever. They need some help. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to be disrespectful and say it's a bunch of like old people, but they, they only got a Facebook thing. You know what I mean? They, they need help. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, you guys got to get on Twitter. You got to, so I'm, so they're having a meeting, another, their monthly meeting, November 10th. Um, and I, I'm, I'm bringing Zainab and, and case study on this so maybe we can because right right now they're just looking at the they're just looking at the election and like i said they're they're booming so they're kind of wrapped up in the vote blue no matter who type of thing so i really don't want to debate them on that i want them to focus on okay january we got to hit this running if you're going to be for like medicare for all or whatever then let's get you it 
in Arizona because Arizona, in case you don't know, uh, um, what was the guy's name? Uh, Cameron, in case you don't know, your state, like Missouri, like California, like Colorado, you can go completely around the state government after, right. a, after a successful um, petition drive and put your initiative on the ballot to amend your constitution, to pass state law, and to repeal law with the veto referendum and ballot initiative. So if you can, if yep. you can like Google um, Cameron, um, Arizona for Medicare for All, I think the guy's name is, uh, is Ken Kugaros, something like that, you know, try to contact them. They need some young people, okay? They, Yo, they, they need some help because it, it's, I don't know, it's maybe like a few people or whatever the case is. And um, that's right. January, we got to hit the ground and run it. So make sure you do that. Uh, but I, so what I was saying, right? So my. Um, well, can I just add something really quick here? First of all, uh -huh. Pierre, you have to unmute. Um, you're listed as a caller. But the other thing I wanted to add to uh, Kanan, what Roger just told you about Arizona it's so much easier to get this done in your state than it is in my state in Massachusetts because we can't do that. We have to get the signatures and all that kind of stuff, and we've passed a lot of things. So just FYI. Pierre, what's up? Hey, uh, first-time caller to the show. I'm really impressed by how long you go on these things, marathon shows. Um, so... You know, I, I was, I haven't listened to the, I wasn't listening the whole time, but there were, there was a few callers back and they said that they think that the Pelosi thing was like a gay tryst gone bad. And I don't know. Did you, do you agree with that? Or is that not something you? I don't know, dude. All I know is I want to know how they went from an unknown person answered the door to another police officer saying there was only two people in there. So my whole thing is, is like, was there two people or was there three people? And why is the third person unknown? Uh-huh. Well, I think they answered that. Um, there was like confusion based on um, the police reports and they hashed it out. And I think that was, um, you know, rectified. I guess my issue is like... But who, but, but Pierre... Who was the unknown person? Well, um, if you give me a minute here. It's Jimmy Dore. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can throw that in there. Yeah, um, I'll look it up. But in the meantime, I guess what I would say, um, just in general, is that, like, you know, a lot of people who maybe are in the same circle as you like um you know glenn and brianna and other and aaron for example like they'll go out and condemn any type of hyperbole related to russia and the investigation but yet just don't apply that same amount of like criticism for conservatives who are like taking these kind of like initial conflicting reports that are often not you know not um, intentional, but just like kind of like, you know, things that, you know, in the heat of the moment or like the, the I forget the phrase, but like the fog of war, you know, like stuff like that's going to happen. And yet they take those kind of things and start 
conjuring up conspiracy theories. And yet I don't hear a peep from those people on criticizing conservatives for that. And so when you focus and say, you know, draw conclusions about liberals and how they're, you know, conspiracy theorists because of quote unquote Russiagate, um, and then don't put any of the same scrutiny on conservative conspiracy theories, that's going to give you a very biased perspective about who, you know, instead of making it exclusive to liberals, well, it's really not a liberal only thing. Like everyone is uh, susceptible to, to conspiracy theories. I mean, I don't know. Does that make sense at all? I get what you're saying. Um, I will say this. I think that what people need to understand about the gray zone is that they primarily focus on foreign policy. So I, I think I do think that's important for people to understand. Like they don't do what I do. They don't do what um, uh, shoot balls, what uh, status quo does. They don't do what Jordan Sheridan does. Like they primarily focus on foreign policy. And I've read a lot of their articles and like most of them are foreign policy based. Now, don't get me wrong. There've been times when Matt Blumenthal used to confront like politicians like in DC, but even Max Blumenthal told me last time he came on, he'll be on again this month. But last time he came on, he told me like, now there's certain places that he's not allowed to go into in DC uh-huh. to ask these questions. So uh-huh. they focus primarily on foreign policy. I will say that. Um, when it comes to Brianna Joy Gray, uh, I, I disagree there because I will say that it's been a it's been a long time coming. Um, the first conversation that I think we had with Bree was on RBN. And I, I believe that was the general strike summit. I want to say, I think that was the first one. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, even then Bree still wanted to support progressive Democrats and she was still interviewing them on her show on bad faith. So there was like this push and pull for a while, because like those of us at RBN, we were just like, <laughs> forget the strategy. Let's move on to something else. And even at that point, she still wanted to promote progressive Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. I think what was the turning point, though, it wasn't just this letter that went out in reference to Ukraine. It's everything that's added up. You have to remember, Bree was a part of Force the Vote. She was also Bernie Sanders' press secretary. And I think there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with being a press secretary, right? And she'll still tell you, you know, she supports Bernie Sanders or she respects Bernie Sanders, but she does have disagreements with him, right? I think this is the difference. Because I think there are some people on the left who have actually told me to my face that I am not allowed to disagree or to criticize with Bernie Sanders. I call bullshit. Mm-hmm. every politician is a public servant if they're not doing what they said they would do we should criticize them no one is above criticism so i think this is the difference right so brie brie i will say out of all the people you know she sat back and she she was like well let's give this another chance even when she interviewed me cj and nick on uh bad faith we told her Marianne Williamson is a lost cause. And I've uh-huh. interviewed Marianne Williamson multiple times on my show. And I said, she's good on some issues, but on other issues, she's not good on. And let me tell you why. 
even then, like Brie, like defended Marianne Williamson and, and did so on her call-in show. Some of you guys may remember that. Even when it came to the issue with David Sirota, and that was more of a, um, CJ was addressing that with her. Um, she defended David Sirota. So I will say that's not completely true when it comes to, when it comes to Brie. I do think though, that I think it's hit a breaking point where she's like, look, when do we get to the point where we have the dirty break and people just leave this fucking party? Because she remember, she was a part of it. And I think it's harder to leave it when you've been a part of it. And I talked to Cynthia McKinney about this. It's harder to leave it when you've been a part of it. And I want to have this conversation with uh, Dennis Kucinich as well, right? So mm. that's something to understand. For me, it was easier to leave it because I wasn't Bernie Sanders' press secretary. I didn't even have a show back then. So it was easier for me to just walk away and say, you know what, I donated a lot of money to this dude and to the squad and other progressives. Fuck that. You guys owe me my money back and I'm not supporting you until you start following those principles from Justice Democrats that you signed a pledge for. So I think that's the difference. When it comes to, in reference to the gray zone, when it comes to Aaron Mate, I will add, and I did talk about this before my show, Aaron Mate was not one of those people that signed on to Fraud Squad. He disagreed with that. And in fact, he disagreed with it for a while. And when he came on my show last year, he even said, oh, I think there's some things that they're wrong on. But at the same time, I think they get heavy criticism for things that they shouldn't be criticized for. That was last year, though. So you see the difference, like over time, people started the whole the Ukraine thing really pushed a lot of people over the edge. So after a while, like even Aaron Monte said on Twitter, I was never one to sign on to the fraud squad thing. He said, but now it's like this is just getting ridiculous. He was like, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So he was one of the last people to say, I don't agree with this. So when it comes to pushing back on conservatives, I disagree in reference to Brianna Joy Gray because she has spoken about that. In fact, I was just on Rising this morning and we talked about the whole red wave and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the, the thing is, is when, you know, you have like the, the, the squad or whatever, or you have Bernie and these are people who are, you know, maybe they don't meet expectations completely but they are um, more closely um, in the same orbit ideologically than you know the rest of the democratic party or most republicans i think that i think that for example like if you want your preferred uh, candidates to agree with you on every single issue it's not going to happen and it doesn't happen on the right either you know so for example like the evangelical right, like they will strategically vote for Republicans, even if they know that they're um, that they're not going to do everything for them. And that's because they want to see their policies implemented, even in a, if it's partial. Um, and so, for example, if if you take it on the left side and then you say, well, um, I view my vote as like an endorsement and, you know, as some kind of personal fulfillment and an embodiment of my values, 
And if I don't get everything of those values matched, then I'm going to either, you know, disengage from the political system as it is or, um, you know, go a different route ideologically. I, I see that that's I almost I find that counterproductive. I think that if there's a if there's a legitimate planned strategy for getting a, if there's like a legitimate Sorry, there's an sorry, echo. I'm not, echo. Sure why. I'm not sure why. Oh, sorry. It might be me. That's okay. I was just my last my last thing I'll say, and then I'll bow out. Is um, if there's a legitimate, not a legitimate. If there's a serious, um, strategically planned third party that has a an actual feasible route to winning on the national level. I know you mentioned the state level, which is great. But if there's if there's something like that, I totally am for that. But unless you get a plan to actually win primaries and actually be able to compete against Republicans on the national level, either in the Senate or in the, the White House presidency, I just don't see how it's worth going that route. Um, I view okay, strategic. So, 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 Pierre, let me ask you a question. Um, what state are you in? I'm in California. Okay. You are in a ballot initiative state. Do you realize you have passed more progressive legislation in your state than will ever be passed on the national level? You realize that, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I totally agree that, like, sometimes in order to get progressive legislation passed in ways that fulfill, you know, your criteria, then, yeah, you might have to start you know, below the national level. That's great. I think that that's great, especially when the national level is more rigged in the sense that like, for example, we elect our governors by popular vote. Well, we don't elect our president by popular vote. You know, the Senate is not one. So um, I think that's great. And it reflects the actual, what the population wants. Um, Whereas I think on the national level, um, people want progressive legislation, or at least they want parties that are more progressive um but you can't do it because of the way that our system is set up so i think that has to be contended with and i just have a yeah so in general i just think the way that you know brianna thinks i know glenn's not technically on the left he's civil libertarian but people you know in that same orbit i think that they tend to get like like kind of dismiss or like kind of overlook some of the institutional restraints or constraints that make it hard to implement progressive policies because you're going to get there's the distortion that like republicans have like what i would call like constitutional affirmative action in the way that like you know that they have biases in the electoral college and the senate and gerrymandering in the house so i just think that that's stuff that needs to be considered when there's all this attacking the dems well it's true the dems need to be better but they also you know, if we had a one person, one vote system um, in the White House and the Senate, you know, they'd be winning more elections and they'd ha- be having more of a majority. And they maybe could have passed the bill back better in full if they had two or three more senators in a, in a system where, um, you know, it, their Senate represented the population. Well, so no, I just think that that, that needs to be taken. No, that wouldn't happen. They still wouldn't pass it. And let me tell you why. You have to understand that both parties are corporate. They serve corporate interests first. The people come last. 
even if we had those extra seats in the Senate, you know what would happen? Someone else would be the rotating villain. I saw this happen through Obama's administration. When the first two years, when Obama had the House and the Senate, and he said when he was running, the first thing that he would do was codify Roe v. Wade, right? Didn't Mm -hmm. happen. Then he said he couldn't do it because of Lieberman. Okay. But even Rokana admitted to me when I interviewed him that they could have abolished the filibuster. Obama didn't want to do that either. You know why? That's what happens when you answer to corporate interests. This is the problem. If you want to fix the problem of politics on the national level, you have to get corporate money out of politics. Until you get mm-hmm. corporate money out of politics, that is never going to be solved. You have to understand they control both parties. This is exactly why people like members of the squad, yeah, when they went in, they had really good intentions. Corey Bush had like a lot of fire. So did AOC and all the rest of them, right? But what happened? They learned very quickly that if you don't go along what the Democratic Party wants, you will lose your seat. We will push you out and you'll be removed from any committee assignments that you have. They learned that early on. This is why they are voting the way that they do. If but they don't they're not taking corporate voting, money, are they? They're not taking corporate money, but they're in a party that takes corporate money. So what uh, you have to understand uh, okay. is that Cynthia McKinney explained this to me very well. When you are in the party, regardless if it's a Republican or a Democrat, but Republicans don't claim to be like grassroots. That's the difference, right? So if you're in the in the well, they the say they're populist now. So, but they never say they they only grassroots. That's the difference. You can be okay. populist and still be corporate. Oh, okay. so like the thing is, is that if you're in this party that is corporate owned, and you're someone like Cynthia McKinney that wants to vote in a certain way, and by the way, Cynthia McKinney fought back heavily. That's why she's not there. And you were told by leadership, listen, when Democratic Party leadership tells us to do something, we're going to do it. If you don't do it, you will be gone. They will find someone to primary challenge against you. They will put a pack up against you. They will remove you. And I'll give you a perfect example. Recently, Representative Kurt Schrader, corporate Democrat, heavily funded by Big Pharma. It turns out when you look at the voting record, he actually voted along with Joe Biden less than the squad. You know what happened to Kurt this year? He lost his primary. Mm -hmm. Omar almost lost her primary. These races should have never been this close. So what you have, if you look at their voting record, this is not a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party. They're voting along with Nancy Pelosi most of the time. They're voting along with Joe Biden most of the time, and they have to do it in order to keep their spot. Ayanna Presley admitted this recently at an event where activists showed up and asked her, why are you voting this way? You know what Ayanna Presley said on camera? That she has been threatened and her family has been threatened. What does that tell you, Pierre? You see the problem? Um. Well, I would contend that corporate money is not as clear-cut it doesn't have as clear-cut of an effect as i think um like i know the young turks is really focused on corporate money um and i just don't so they, see but it they're as, also corporate 
So come on, come on, Pierre. They're also corporate. They took that twenty million dollars from Jeffrey Katzenberg. He's corporate. They're corporate, and they have sponsors. Okay. So I well, don't let's think TNT is a good example here. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, you know, I I was, you know, in my twenties when Young Turks was. That was the one. I mean, I I know that they've kind of moderated a bit compared to some other um, personalities, but but you know that was their thing back in the day. Um, and, um, I think that, you know, when you talk about how the, the squad votes, well, the squad and progressives in the house were actually the ones that were, um, shoring up build back better. They wanted to keep that. And it was mansion and cinema. And when you talk about rotating villains, it wasn't, there's no been no rotation. It's always been mansion cinema for the last two years. No, so, no, Pierre, it hasn't always been mansion and cinema. Fifteen dollar minimum wage. No, no. Let me finish. Fifteen dollar minimum wage was seven Democrats that voted against it and one independent. It was not just Joe Manchin and Cinema. It has not always just been those two. Anytime the squad has had leverage for their vote in the House, they did not use it unless they knew the bill was going to pass regardless. You have to look at the data. I have looked at the data. I studied this very intensively, and I'm trying to tell you it's it's a game. They trade places with who is going to be the villain. One, one legislation, it's AOC who decides she's going to vote present. The next legislation, it'll be Jamal Bowman who votes present. And I got to tell you, when you look at the voting record, there is not that much of a difference from the way mm-hmm. that jo- Jamal Bowman is voting and the way that his predecessor, Elliot Engel, is voting. There is not that much difference from the way that AOC is voting and the way that Joe Crowley is voting. This is not a hostile takeover. What has happened is that these progressives went into the Democratic Party in D.C. and they were consumed and they want to keep their seats because they want the perks. After they've been there for five years, they get speaking fees and they get a pension. They are set for life. That is what this is about. Cori Bush is out there celebrating writing a book, a book deal, and she hasn't done shit. Cori Bush's office uh-huh. in D.C., they're not even allowed to talk about defund the police anymore. And she came from the defund the police movement in Ferguson. Do you see what is happening, Pierre? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think we just disagree on, on just fundamental issues of well no we don't disagree on fundamental i'm talking about data i think you want them to be good i think you want them to be great i think you want them to do the right thing i want you i think you still want to believe in them but i'm letting you know based on the data and based on the money and based on what i've seen they have all Uh sold out ask yourself this question why are members of the squad going on to left independent media why is AOC going on to Pod Save America, but she ignores all the people on left independent media who got her on the map on the first damn place and got people to come out and vote for her? Cori Bush won't say three words. She looks like she's scared every time you see her on camera. Jamal Bowman, he's another one. He's a punk. He just punks down. He's the weakest of the bunch. And I've called this out before. Ilhan Omar, she wants to call out the weak children, the children being killed in Ukraine, but she is silent about the kids being killed in her own country of Somalia. Anytime Rashida Tlaib speaks up about Palestine, she is shunned. And I want to remind you, the Democratic Party tried to put up a pack to go against her. 
from APAC so she would not win her primary. These people mm-hmm. are not wanted in a corporate party. They realize in order for them to stay there, they got to go along with the establishment. Otherwise, they will be done. They sold out, accepted, and move on. Go ahead, Roger. Pierre, um, let me ask you a question. No. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, what policy would you like to see passed? Medicare for all? Um ending homelessness, because I know that's big in California, um, raising the minimum wage to a living wage, what would, what would you like to, like, if you had to choose, what would you like to see passed? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I want Medicare for all. I want more, basically just social welfare spending on okay. par with, all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So cool. Cool. You want Medicare for all? You live in California, a ballot initiative mm-hmm. state. You can go completely around state government to, after a successful petition drive, place initiatives on the ballot mm-hmm. um, to, to, uh, to amend your const- California constitution or pass California law or to do a repeal of a law through a veto referendum using the ballot initiative process to get that. Right. It's, um, don't I mean I wouldn't even waste my time with these politicians. You, you know what I mean? If yeah, I was in Georgia, I would get it done right there because it's 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 like put more energy, time, money toward doing to toward doing that. Yeah, no, I come, agree. Come January, all right, let's hit the ground running. I wanna see you. I want to see you file for a ballot initiative, Pierre, for Medicare for all. Because what get take that bill that they refuse. Uh oh, Roger, I think you cut out. Yeah. Roger, cut Roger. out. Jota, Jota, can you unmute? I'm gonna try to see if I can hear you now. Um, you you have to unmute. Go ahead. Oh, hello. I can hear you now. Oh, perfect. Oh my god, I had to update my phone in order to even use this app, so that was embarrassing. Oh, um, oh, do, so I I speak now. Nope. I, I don't just, know how this just works. Go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, perfect. Okay, this is great. Um, I've been hearing a lot about um people talking on the app and and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I for me, um, I don't know. I I you know live in Rhode Island, so that's that's where I'm at. It's purely democratic. Um, <clears throat> I I listen to a lot of um. Well, first of all, I I, I started out you know as a shitlib, I suppose, just listening to CNN and and, and all that. Um, and I turned to uh, lefty news people on uh, YouTube and all that, which is good. I watch Jimmy Dore. I watch a, a lot of um, you, Sabby, actually, whenever I go on a drive to Boston or North Adams or Cape Cod, whatever, I'll put you know Sabby on or Jimmy Dore on. And I'll listen to you folks talk about stuff all the time. So I get a lot of my news from you folks. Um, and um, yeah, I, I just kind of began to see the the rot in um the system um you know door 
talking about Bernie and the squad and all that, a lot of people turn on you know door and talk about how he abandoned the progressives and how he's he's done this and has done that. And um, you know, they don't do a lot of the research, you know, to realize that, you know, he's the one that brought him onto their shows. You know, he's the one that propped these people up. And it wasn't only until they started to go back on the things they promised and begin to integrate themselves further into the party, which by the way, um, a lot of people have been uh, you know, talking about the party and the, the progressives. It, the second, you can't be a progressive and then go into a corrupt party because it's the corrupt party. They're the ones that are dictating everything. So I, I look at my, I look at everything that's been happening and I see it for the past few years, you know, it, if you're in a party that doesn't allow certain things and you go into that party and then you see things still stagnant, I, I look at myself and I say, well, if I was in Congress and if, if I was in power, I, I'd be throwing the Hail Marys left and right. I'd be throwing myself onto the Senate floor and I'd be screaming my head off about all these things that should be done. And then these people, they say they're going to get into power to do these things. And then they're, you know, they're mute. They're, 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 they're not saying anything. They're not doing anything. And then we're, we're screaming our head off wondering why they aren't doing these things and, and imagining ourselves in these positions and what we will be doing and then wondering why they're not doing what we will be doing, even though they said they'd be doing what we'd be doing in those certain positions. And I, I, I just realized that, you know, it's basically just a bunch of children being governed by, you know, parents, you know, Pelosi is the parent, you know, Biden's the parent, you know, of the party and the children just kind of, you know, do what they say, you know, they, lashed out and they were, you know, they were wild and they were this on the campaign trail. But then once they actually get into power, once they actually get into the house, you feel me? Once they actually get into the house, you know, once they're outside, they're doing their own thing and they're drinking and partying, having their friends, aka Medicare for all and defund the police. But once they get into the house, now the parents are watching them. Now the, the grown folk are there, right? And I have to say something about the Justice Democrats, which some people may not be aware of because I've spoken to people that worked with Justice Democrats when all of those squad members were were running, right? Mm -hmm. What people have to be aware of is that they signed a pledge, okay? There are a number of principles that they signed on to. From what I saw, and I, I went through those principles on my show, they're not following any of them. No. They're not supposed to support funding towards war, Shut it down Unless right there. Unless it's U.S. Right. territory, that, that, that they're not should... supposed to support it. They're not. Yeah, they're not even supposed to. They're not even supposed to back funding to Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt in specific. By the way, this is all laid out online. They have been going against all of the principles that they signed on to, that they pledged to. And another thing I want to mention: when Justice Democrats first started, it was supposed to be working class, everyday people going into Congress. Mm -hmm. They changed that and decided to go with people that they felt would be more marketable. What you have to understand is the people who were actually a part of the working class were not heavily promoted and did not win. Paula Jean Swearingen, Anthony Clark, those people, and there's, there's many others, those people were not promoted. I didn't see them on bringing down the house. You see what I'm saying? Even exactly. Corey Bush, even Cori Bush came from a political family. And a lot of people don't realize that. But her dad was in politics. 
So what you have to understand is that Justice Democrats at some point decided to sell out. They took billionaire money, which we have proven this. They decided to take that. They were never supposed to do that. They took billionaire money. And also a part of that strategy is that they were supposed to also make third party and independent candidates more viable. They never did that. And that's why we got what we got. The reason why AOC was so heavily promoted the way that she was is because they said she was in a district that was more likely to win. So they put most of their attention and focus on her instead of someone like Paula Jean Swearingen who was going up against Joe Manchin. And this is why we have the things that we have now. You still have Joe Manchin there. He's still blocking things. If it's not him, it's Kirsten Cinema, or it's both of them. If it's not both of them, the Senate parliamentarian comes in, who, by the way, I didn't even know of until last year. Well, now, take all, of a all of a sudden, this person has so much power. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. The Senate parliamentarian can be removed. In fact, this was done under the George W. Bush administration. They did not, the Republican Party disagreed with the way that the parliamentarian was voting. So they pulled that person out and put in someone else. So if the Democratic Party had a problem with the way that the parliamentarian was voting on legislation, they would pull her out and they would put someone else in. They don't have a problem with it because this is the way they want things to go. Exactly. That's that, 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 exactly. That's that's what and I was talking to someone on, on, on Twitter about this. I'm like, I'm, I don't have enough characters to explain to you the rotating villain theory. I don't have enough characters to explain to you that the, the reason why the Democratic Party isn't getting anything done. They need the Republicans. They, they feed off each other. It's like a you know symbiotic relationship. They need each other. The Democrats need the Republicans so that they have something to rail against. Right. And the Republicans need the Democrats so that they have their own rhetoric rhetoric dispute. But once the Democrats actually get into power and they have, you know, complete control, that's exactly when you have to look to other actors like Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema or the Senate parliamentarian, which, by the way, the Senate parliamentarian, that that cannot be defended. This is the single most thing you turn to where you where anyone has any doubt about the democrats and how how good faith they are the Senate parliament the senate parliamentarian is literally the one thing you can turn to to say this is where they fell down fell down on the job and this is where they knew they fell down on a job and this is where it's most blatant i haven't seen politics this blatant you know back in the day i I guess you can you they used to shield themselves just a little better but nowadays, right. it seems like things are just out in the open. Like the Senate parliamentarian thing, that seemed to be just so out in the open, so blatant, so obvious. Like anyone who is in doubt of that is just kidding themselves or they're running cover for someone. They, they have a stake in the game. They have a dog in the game or something. That is the most single, shameful, and, and shameless thing that the Democrats could ever do with the Senate parliamentarian thing. And I still see people can, uh, you know, covering for it to this day. Which is, which is, you know, ludicrous because when the Republicans are in power, they do every single last thing in their power to make sure what they want to get done gets done. And I remember when, um, what was that? I think when, uh, I think it was when, uh, who got elected? Someone got elected. Uh, no, no, it was, um, they, uh, they got a hold of the Senate. I think it was uh, Chuck Schumer. And he turned to Mitch McConnell, who was a report, and he said that he was willing to work with you know, Mitch McConnell on, on stuff and, and things or whatever. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, 
well, why would you do that? They've just been kind of railroading you for the past few years and just kind of going mm -hmm. off and doing their own thing. But then now the Democrats turn around and say, you're going to work with the Republicans. Now, that's when you start to see something is off. And as you folks talk about on RBN and on the Sabi Sab show, it's a class thing. And, and, and that's what it is. You know, you know, Jimmy Dore covered it a few years ago when the Pelosi's and the, the Republicans and all them, they were partying at some mansion or whatever. And it's, it's like, aren't these guys your mortal enemies? You know, Hillary Clinton being, going to you know, you know, Trump's wedding or whatever. Or it, it's, it's like it's a whole class thing. It, it's theater. And, and pe people just aren't seeing it because they're in this tribalist bubble and, and they want their team to win. But they, they have so much. You know, the sunk cost fallacy. They have so much sunk into this theory that their party is morally superior than the other corrupt party. And Americans, we're just not, we're not, we're not seeing it. We're, we're, we're not seeing it. And they, they, they grabbed us. They, they won. The establishment won. They, they have Americans divided in this way or that way. And they have us thinking about, you know, our, our parties and who will win. And it's, it's basically just a, a football game. They just want their team to win. And they don't know that their team is actively invested in screwing you over as hard as humanly possible. But you just need your team to win just so you feel something, just that you, you feel That's good right. about yourself. That's right. And I want to add, I want to bring um, Soman's, I want to bring you in as well. Um, but I want to let you guys know, Roger Meadows actually attended a meeting with Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer, by the way, it was a Zoom call. Chuck Schumer actually admitted that they do have the money to do Medicare for all, mm -hmm. but they can send billions of dollars to Ukraine, but Ukraine. they can't give everybody health care. See, this is the fucking problem. They don't want to let the pharmaceutical companies go because that's their donorship. This is why we will never get any big wins on the national level. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys. You need to organize on the local level. Uh, Somans, uh, please come in here. I, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can hear me. The... I can hear you. Uh, so I just had some points to make towards um, Pierre. I wrote down some points. So he was referring to Republicans aren't criticized enough. And my response to that is they're an easy target, and we're not interested in that. Dems lie to us and pretend to be on our side, as well as the progressives now. False hope is more dangerous to people that have nothing than a man telling you he's going to take what you probably don't already have. That was my first point. Second point is he was waiting for progressive policies to be implemented, but they have not blocked legislation that's hurting the poor and working class to get any leverage. They always seem to vote on in a, oops, we voted, and one of our squad members just so happens to vote for something that hurts everyone or voting present in just the correct amount, it's not a coincidence. Um, my third point is he doesn't think it's an easy thing for third party to be started. Well, this, this is what keeps a third party from happening. If you don't have the numbers, it's not going to work. But if you can't get the numbers, you can't get the numbers unless you become one of the numbers. You have to at some point say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. If I'm not getting anything with these people, then what is the point? I should just do my own thing, start a third party, join another party, and you know help the numbers. That's the numbers. We need numbers. Or have um, no parties. 
or no parties. That's good too. You know, whatever That's works. The best answer. District wise. Um, so my fourth fourth point is just something I have to say. Um, how many people have to die or get hurt for us to keep our place in the waiting line? Waiting for things to change. How many things must go wrong? How many times must the progressives in Congress keep putting their closed signs up to us as they file their paperwork and vote to make the line further back and longer? Send more guns overseas while going on TV saying we need less guns and violence when another mass shooting happens. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm sick of it all. And it's obvious that they are not on our side now. Um, I don't see how you could still be holding out hope. And I mean, that's really all I had to say. Thank you for letting me talk. Um, Sabrina. Go ahead, Roger. I did. I think I figured out what's wrong with your app. It doesn't. What happens is. It the, like when it's on, it doesn't stay on because I was going on. I didn't realize that, you know how like some apps stay on, you know, like the screen is is there and your and your phone doesn't go dark. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. This app, the phone goes dark. So I had no idea <laughs> that I was going on and on and on and on and no one didn't uh, hear me. Until I was just like, hello, oh, no, does, does anyone? No. What's that? Okay, hello? I can tell okay. them about that. Yeah, because I was going, I went on for, I don't know what, what the last thing you heard me say was, but I went on and on and on and on. And then I said, uh, it sounds kind of quiet, hello? And I was like, oh, shoot, the screen is black. Oh, see, it just turned black again. All right, yeah, turn black hear again. you say anything. Uh, Nothing. No, I mean, like, not since Pierre came in. Not since you told Pierre about California ballot initiatives. And then I cut off? Yeah, all right. So that's that's what it is. The um, This app, you have to keep tapping it to stay on. Cause I, that doesn't cause... happen with me on my phone, but okay. Oh, okay. But that's that's what it was, because then I... I turned I turned the screen back on and and um, I finally got to hear um, uh, Ko, Kotu or something like that. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, she's here. You mean Jota? Jota, yes, 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 yes. I wanted to also say this because um, I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Hey Pierre, Pierre, come January, get yourself some Medicare for all. Get the uh, get that ballot initiative. File for that ballot initiative for CalCare Medicare for all California style. And then we'll help you. We will. You got the family here. We're gonna. We'll. We will phone bank for you because we don't got to be in California. Phone bank. We'll donate money to your grassroots effort. So this way you can go get some people to do some grassroots door knocking to talk to people about Medicare for California style or CalCare ballot initiative, all that. Also to address what Jotu was saying. So here's something that people forget about. So Republicans come in the office and then they pass all this egregious stuff and Democrats go, oh, yeah, oh, oh, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Right. So then the the electorate puts them puts Democrats in power. They never repeal a goddamn thing that the Republicans passed. 
Trump and Bush tax cuts, never repealed it. I understand Bush's tax cuts, just Obama just let it expire. That ain't the same thing as repealing it. Uh, the Fairness Doctrine, that was ended by Reagan. Uh, Democrats never repealed it. Um, oh, what was in the... Oh, the, uh, what's up with that Iran deal, by the way? We still... We, we get back into it? Nope. Uh, there was something else I heard. I think it was Margaret Kimberly said on JB show today. But uh, something else, Republicans... Like, we don't repeal. Democrats don't repeal shit when they get... When they get so, it's just like, okay... You know what I'm saying? Like you see the you see the bullshit. Like I, yeah, don't think that we forgot about that. When I also remember when this whole gun thing was going down, and Republicans were talking about mental health issues, mental health issues. We should do something about mental health issues. And then, like in 2017 or 2018 under Trump, they allowed um, people who were seriously mentally handicapped to be able to buy guns also um like people that were not competent enough to even handle their own money you know what i mean and like trump had passed out or whatever there was never a repeal on that in the past two years uh, you know so all of this all of these things I, I i want you to all remember so here's the thing i think the days of blaming reagan a Governor Reagan and President Reagan are done, are over. Because Reagan has not been governor of California since the 60s. So if you if you look back and he was the one that started this whole thing of because there were college protests um, during the um, 60s and stuff like that. And he was saying, um, hey, all these kids protesting on, on the taxpayer dollar that's not right. I'm going to start charging them. Okay. So it'd be like, Oh, Reagan did that. He started that. Okay. Well, yeah, he did it. But how many governors have there been of California ever since he was governor in the sixties? Yeah. You didn't repeal it. Okay. So Reagan comes in as president. He does all this stuff, get rid of the fairness doctrine, um, starts loosening up antitrust. Um, um, enforcement, uh, union busting, all this stuff. Okay. Oh, Reagan did all this stuff. We're still living in the era of Reagan. Okay. We've had two Democrat presidents since then. One or third one. Now, did, did you repeal any of that shit that he did? No. So, you know, pretty much they're playing us. They're playing, they're playing a game. Like you guys don't repeal anything that these guys do, but you know, just food for thought. That's a good point, Roger, because again, like you guys got to understand, like both parties serve corporate interests. I had a, a long conversation with um, Lee Camp about this, and I got to bring Lee back on. But uh, Lee was the one he made this statement. He said the amount of time that we sent that we spend on uh, national politics, he said, is ridiculous because he said that, like, most of the time, the candidate that has the most money is the one that wins. And both parties support corporate interests. So why are we wasting all of our time on national politics? And what's really upsetting to me is that I will talk to people locally. Most people I talk to don't even know who their city councils are. That's a problem. 
city council, they control the budget. <laughs> so you don't know who's controlling the budget of your city. That's a problem. Because mainstream media has you so focused on who's running for president, who's running for Congress, who's running for Senate. And that keeps you distracted. Meanwhile, there are policies being passed on local level that people are not even paying attention to. And I'm not just talking about ballot initiative states. I'm talking about all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that like, these are the kind of things we need to pay attention to. And Roger Meadows like is right when he brought this to my attention. If you're not a ballot initiative state, fuck that. Try to organize to make your state a ballot initiative state. Listen, New York is not a BI state, but they were trying to pass the New York Health Act which would actually have applied to people in Connecticut and New Jersey, right, Roger, that worked yep. in New York City? Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the thing. When people come to me and they say, my state's not a BI state. Okay, what can you get passed through the state legislator? By the way, some people may not be aware of this. When people say, well, Massachusetts was the first state to legalize gay marriage, you know how we did that? That was not done through a ballot initiative. That was not voted on by the people. That was that came from pressure from the outside from an activist group called GLAD. They actually sued the Superior Court in Massachusetts and said, no, you cannot decline marriage licenses to couples that are LGBTQ, right? So they filed that that lawsuit and the Superior Court said, Oh, whoa, what the fuck? Um, let's backtrack here. And maybe we should just legalize gay marriage so we don't get another lawsuit. That's how we did it. And I hear a lot of people talk about Massachusetts was the first state to legalize gay marriage, but they don't tell you how we did it. Mm -hmm. So that's for people to know. The activist groups on the outside are incredibly important. So... When I talk about ballot initiatives, I want you to also know there are things that have been passed that were not done through ballot initiative, but there was pressure from the activists on the outside, and that is how it happened. That's how the civil rights movement happened. That's how the women's rights movement happened. It did not happen through electoral politics, and I think we have to get outside of our, our, our minds here that things can only be accomplished if we do it through the electoral system. We need to talk to people who are a part of the civil rights movement. They're still alive. It wasn't that long ago. Civil rights activists are still alive today. What are we doing with our time? Put down your controllers for like a day. Take a day off from playing video games. Take a day off from Netflix and chill. And take that day and try to organize the people in your community. Contact, get on Google and research civil rights activists the same way you get on Google and research when the next video game is coming out. How about we do that? How about we spend that same amount of time that you stand in line to get an iPhone, the new iPhone? How about you spend that time trying to find these activists who organized decades ago, who got shit done? How about we do that? Because you see, commercialism, all they're trying to do is keep us seriously, like, they're trying to keep us distracted. 
They want us to go buy the next game. They want us to sit in front of Netflix all freaking day. They want us to go buy the new outfit. They want to keep us occupied. They want us to focus on Kim and Kanye. Because meanwhile, while we're focused on that, we're not getting shit done. That's the problem. You just reminded me of something. Do you know the main reason why the reality shows came into being? Oh, can, can you hear me? The real oh. world? Okay, that was a that was a, a pioneer. But I mean like when they really started, I mean they really started kicking up, I would probably say in in the 21st century like around the 2000, would you say, when they really started going full full mode? Um, I think it was because the actors who were part of a union were probably like uh, uh, pushing the studios or whatever the case is for, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. So like, I guess what the studios did or the big corporate did was oh, we'll get a regular person. Anybody wants to be on TV and pay them less money. And then we entered into the reality. Because I just got reminded because you said Kim Kardashian. And well, um, like, I was just thinking about this. Cause like me and my sister watch, we used to watch this a lot, but like I'm better with it now. I don't watch all of the housewives. <laughs> the real housewives, right? Why why do they want us to watch a bunch of rich women drinking wine in stilettos complaining and whining about their their woes, right? As long as we're preoccupied with watching someone else's story, we're not writing our own story. Yeah. It it's a problem. Like reality TV is just I'd see people just stay glued in front of the tube for hours and hours at a time. I don't even see kids playing outside anymore. What has happened to our society? I think it ran, think it ran its cycle. It, it seems to me that because not as many, I think it, it is probably because more people are cutting the cord and just watching their shows from the phone or devices or whatever the case is. But I think it kind of like finally is, is running its cycle. Um, I think the only oh, had to okay here here I go the screen went black again. Um, I, I think, think it's just you, Raj. You think it's just my phone? Okay, is, is your I phone staying? My staying phone there? is fine, Roger. I think it's just you. Okay, all right. Well, it'd be like that sometime. I'm um, Raj from uh, Happy Days. No, not Happy Days. Damn, what's happening? <laughs> I said Happy Days. Damn. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um what do you call it? I forgot what I was saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think it was something about reality shows and uh I, you know, I just I just think that they Like don't well, get me wrong, like I'm not trying to shame anybody, guys. If you're oh, listening now, to me and you watch if you're listening to me and you watch Real Housewives, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm hey, just look. saying, like, I watch Real Housewives too, but do we need to watch all of the seasons from all of the... Because you won't move 
from your couch, right? And you're watching, like, it's just like all these seasons are the same. It's a bunch of rich women in different cities who put on heels and drink <laughs> wine and complain about so-and-so might be having an affair. So-and-so might be having a baby. So-and-so is getting a divorce. And I can see that in real life. I mean, come yeah. on. I, I think the only one that I ever watched religiously was The Apprentice. And then once Randall Pinkett won and Donald Trump tried to make him share his winnings with the white girl, Rebecca, I was like, yo, he ain't do that shit with Bill Ransick, who was the first winner. He didn't ask Bill Ransick, hey, you want to share your winnings with Kwame Jackson? I was no, just like... Everything, everything changed after the first season, though. I was just like, yo... We finally got a brother, Randall Pinkett, that one. And then he says, hey, you want to share your winnings with, with Rebecca? He's like, no. And then the next season, there's no more black people on the show. I was like, Donald Trump is racist as hell. I'm not watching this show no more. <laughs> I invited um Pierre. Uh, if you have anything else to say, can you unmute? Because I, I tried to invite Rashad to speak, but I don't think it's... I don't know, man. This app is weird tonight. Go ahead, Pierre. Yeah, um, I was wanting to respond to So Mains. Um, I totally get and empathize with the disillusionment of the two-party system. I'm not principally opposed to a third party. But what I think is, you know, in the ballot booth, in the national level, you know, the only, unless you can figure out a way to mobilize enough people to have a viable third-party candidate, um, the only time... You have to make a binary choice between uh, Republican and Democrat and have to make a strategic decision to um, have harm to minimize harm reduction is in that ballot booth in November. Um, you have the whole other rest of the time outside that ballot booth to move to mobilize the third party or to move the party left. But I just don't think strategic voting is that bad. I think that. You know, if you look at and, you know, you want to say both parties are corporate. Sure. But which party, you know, does corporate tax cuts, which party um, nominates judges that cut back rights, which party, um, both, which par both parties right? are doing corporate tax cuts. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden, wait, wait, wait. Biden which, which party nominates? I'm sorry. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. Joe Biden continued Trump's tax cuts. You do realize that, right? Well, the I'm not sure the I'm not sure if he reversed those tax cuts, but the IRA bill um, I thought did have some. I, I might be wrong. I don't want to say anything. No, I, I think you need to look at data, Pierre. I really do. Joe Biden okay, but continued. Which, I'm not, he continued. He continued Trump's tax cuts. That's a big part okay. of the problem. I'm not saying the Democrat Party is perfect, and I'm I don't even identify as a Democrat. All I'm just saying is that in a two party system. You have to make those strategic trade-offs and you have, you can't view your vote as being some type of like endorsement where you um, have to agree on everything. Um, Wait I a think second. That... Wait a second. Why are you saying tr strategic vote? What, what has changed under either party? Nothing has, has changed. changed. They do the same thing. No, they don't. That's absolutely false. Okay. Which tell me nominates... how many wars we are in now under Biden than we were under Trump. How Wait, many words which... were we in under Trump and how many were we in now? 
Same amount. We ended a war under Biden and started three more wars than Trump, huh? And started three more. What are you talking about? Wait, who started three more? We did. When? We started this Ukrainian and Russian war. No, we didn't start the Ukrainian war. Russia invaded Ukraine. We did not start the Ukraine. Pierre, Pierre, let's leave. Okay, let's leave Russia and Ukraine out of this. Okay, let's go to other countries. Joe Biden has been bombing Somalia. Joe Biden is this under his administration. They're trying to invade Haiti. They're still selling. They're trying to stop it now, but they've been selling arms to Saudi Arabia to commit genocide towards people in Yemen. That is happening under Joe Biden's administration. Uh, like I said, but they didn't. Okay, but Joe Trump was selling aid to, uh, military aid to Saudi Arabia too. I'm not saying Wait, that. That's the point. That's the point, it, Pierre. That's but what saying. I'm trying to say is there are differentials. There, there's differences. What's the difference? Say the difference, Pierre. They're the same. I when just it comes said to the war. difference. Pierre. We withdrew from oh, Afghanistan. Yeah. The drone war was scaled back dramatically. He, no, it wasn't, Pierre. You're lying. It wasn't. You, do you have to understand? Go to Somalia, talk to people in Somalia, and tell them if the drone war was scaled back to those no. dead children in Somalia. Well, wait a minute. If you're talking about data, data is data. They they scaled back the drone war. Is that not borne out in the data? Pierre, no, they did not. There are still they did it. Oh. Let me finish. They are still killing brown people abroad. And by the way, you want to point out, oh, Joe Biden got us out of Afghanistan. There are still soldiers in Afghanistan. You're talking to a military brat here. Don't tell me I don't fucking know. There are still soldiers there. He didn't pull all of them out. And the sanctions that were put on Afghanistan, those children are fucking starving. You don't consider that war? Sanctions is a part of economic war, Pierre. Right. I'm talking about different... I'm talking what are about you talking about? Oh, you're only talking about bombs. So you don't think huh? that economic warfare is a problem? You don't think it's a problem no, I, that the United States switched. government is responsible for these kids to be starving in Afghanistan? You don't think that's a problem? No, no, no. I started making comparisons between administrations, and then you went to saying, well, there's you know still people being harmed by us. I never said that people weren't being harmed by us. I'm just saying if you're... We were talking about comparisons between administrations. So that shifted on me. And I don't think that that's, yeah, I think that that's a different okay, conversation. Okay, if we were to compare in reference to administrations, we're in more conflicts now than we were under Trump, Pierre. That's Where? the problem. That's what I said. Where are we in more, what, what do you mean? I just fucking about- told you. We're in a comp, Somalia, Yemen, Afghanistan, economic sanctions. We were in Yemen before. Let me. We're, no, we're not you did enough. not end the war. Let me finish. You did not end the war if you have economic warfare. Period. We just invaded Haiti. Hello. And now we, we invaded Haiti. Yes. Where the fuck have you been, Pierre? Well, I know we. That's not an invasion. I mean, you got to use correct Are terminology. You serious? Are you serious? Have you really been paying attention? Or are you only watching mainstream media, Pierre? Well, I think I would know if there was an invasion of Haiti. Pierre, did you not see the statement from Joe Biden about military invading you invading Haiti? Invasion. Right. Okay, I'll have to look that up. I so did not know we invaded Haiti. Okay? Let me 
me get this straight. You think it's okay for the U.S. government to just go in and tell Haiti what the fuck they should do with their government? The many times that the U.S. government has has involved itself in Haitian regime. I, I understand leave that. I'm not saying that. Alone, leave these countries alone and let them handle themselves. I I agree, but I'm not. I'm just saying that like you can't call it an invasion if it's not an invasion you can say when that maybe we throw our way there is a difference between the party when it comes to military warfare and there is not both parties are pro-war okay so if it's a wash in foreign policy is it a wash in domestic policy yes but, they both uh, support corporate interests get peep this pierre neither party wants medicare for all you realize that right this is why bernie sanders bill has not been brought to the floor for a vote neither I, yeah, party I would, wants I would to like give to hear... all americans universal health care neither party wants to give everybody in this country paid family leave uh-huh. Neither party wants to give everybody in this country paid sick leave. These are things that we have passed through the states because neither party wants to actually help the American people. They support corporate interests first. I, I agree. The I don't Democrats, know who you've been listening to, but I, you need to educate yourself. I Listen, I agree that Democrats don't go far enough. But if we're talking about we, we were talking about differentials and then you say, oh, there's no difference. Well, I tried pointing out differences, and then you say, well, but they don't do Medicare for all. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the differential is there's a, there's a difference. And then you say there's what no is difference. The difference. What is what the are you... difference? Pierre? Yeah, what's okay. the difference? I would okay, like well, you to hear it. Okay, well, let me – what's the difference? Okay. The Republicans, when they control the Senate and the White House, nominate extreme far-right judges that – what do they do? They overturn Roe v. Wade. They, um, you know, uh, loosen gun laws. They do a lot of this stuff and they do it at the, at the you know, Supreme Court level, but they do it at, at the sub Supreme Court level. Um, they do tax cuts. The Democrats might not reverse them, but they don't actually do them. The Democrats passed the IRA. It's not enough, but it's the biggest in history. Um, if you care about global warming, it's bigger than anything the Republicans would have done. I'm just saying there are differences. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's anywhere near perfect. No, but when you're in that yeah. voting booth and you have to make a binary choice, then I do yeah. think so, it's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. You, you know you messed up, right? Because you gave economic examples. That's domestic. And when it comes to when it comes to economics, they're actually not that different. Okay, and if you don't consider I, that I different, gonna, then I, I guess I don't know. Right. I, 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 just wanna, I just want to point out a couple of things here. Okay. okay. So Again, when it comes to war, both parties are pro-war. When it comes to healthcare, both parties refuse to give the American people universal health care. So, so, okay. so that's right. Okay. Well, if if healthcare is your only barometer, no, I'm just saying that which party is better on healthcare? Right now, neither. Neither. It's okay. So you have the standard of Medicare for all, and anything short of Medicare for all is not worth even considering. Pierre, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Real world. Everybody sorry. in this country does not have health care. That is a fucking problem. Okay. I agree. I've lived overseas in countries where everyone does have health care. People in this country have been dying because they don't have health care. 
Not every employer offers health insurance. Not everyone can apply to a, a company that offers health insurance. So I keep hearing about all these jobs being created, but some of these jobs don't even offer benefits. Let's be real here. So it's a fucking problem. We look at the economic issues. We have inflation right now. The grocery store prices are extremely high. I just paid $7 for a fucking loaf of bread. So give okay. me a fucking break. Yeah, Nobody well, who, should have to is that deal with this in this country. So another thing I want to say as well, when it comes to the economic issues, like I said, both parties serve corporate interests. They don't really help out the American people. The Democratic Party couldn't even give you the $2,000 stimulus checks that they fucking promised you. After Joe Biden went to Georgia and told people, if you elect Warnoff and Ossoff, or Warnock and Ossoff, I'll give you those $2,000 checks and then shortchange the fucking American people. It's a disgrace. No, I, I think that's a straw man. I think what they did was no, they... No, it's not a straw man. It's a fucking lie. Well, There's a difference well, between telling the truth and lying to people. When he spoke to those people in Georgia, and by the way, I have many friends in Atlanta, and they are not happy with Joe Biden right now. And I got to tell you, when he went to Georgia and told those people, told black people, I will give you those $2,000 checks if you vote for Warnock and Ossoff, that brought voters out. And that is why part of the reason why Warnock and Off and Warnock and uh, Walker are so close in this race right now. Wait a minute, because they, they lied to those people. Joe they got, lied, Mister. I promised the fifteen dollar minimum wage, and then you got seven Democrats vote against it, and one independent vote against it in the Senate. Those are Democrats. Those yes. are fucking Republicans. Let's be right. real. Well, politicians do lie. I agree. Um, but oh, I don't think Democrats. Pierre. Pierre. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. You, me, Sabrina live in states where Democrats have a veto proof majority in both chambers and not one of us has Medicare for all. So that's one. Two. So it's not um, just national Democrats fault then, right? If you're going to hold it to the standard of if it's Medicare for all or bust, then there's no Medicare for all anywhere. Right. That's why I'm so saying. Not, yeah, that's that's what I'm. So what I'm saying is that's why the power is in your hands to pass it because you're a ballot initiative state. Uh-huh. Two, when you were talking about um, when you talk about the, the Supreme Court justices and you were talking about them being uh, right wing on uh, guns and abortion and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I noticed you did not say anything about. Uh, 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 how they rule when it comes to corporate versus workers, how they rule when it comes to corporate polluters versus environmentalists, how they rule when it comes to uh, uh, corruption versus good governance. You, uh-huh. What you did was you went through all of the, uh, and I'm not saying it's not important, but you went through all of the things that they that the mainstream media only throws at you, how they are on women's issues, how they are on uh, race issues or affirmative action, how they are on on guns. And you know what? That is the minority of what they rule on. Most of the things that they are all in agreement with 
is giving more power to corporate, okay? And that's both of them, okay? Corporate versus, uh, corporate polluters versus environmentalists, environmentalists are always, well, I wouldn't say always losing, but you know, they, they got, they're not racking up the wins there, okay? Unions versus their bosses, uh, the unions are not racking up the wins there, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, what's the other one? Um, um, yeah, like I said, good governance versus corruption, good governance is not racking up the wins there. Antitrust enforcement versus monopolization, antitrust is not racking up the wins there. So okay. this, these are the things, see, if the, uh, see, I have, I'm, you know, like, I have a feeling that, you know, in my opinion, if, if you, if the only thing you're worried about is things that are just guns um and and other stuff the women's rights stuff and the civil rights all that different type of stuff that automatically tells me that your basic needs are met okay wait a minute just because that, it doesn't wait a minute i'm i'm not ahead, married I don't, I don't have any direct investment in abortion rights but it affects other people so when you're saying the if you're saying the perfect should be you know that I just don't think that the perfect should be the enemy of the good. And what you're saying is that, oh, if you can't have everything, then you disengage. Well, that affects real people because in our system, you, know what else? you do have to but make you know a choice. Else? But so you know what I else have, can I, can I speak people? on this? Can I speak Sorry. on this abortion issue? So you know what's yeah. interesting, Pierre? I've talked to several people, working class people, poor people, people who are middle class, some people who are wealthy. And you know what I've noticed? Most people who are working class and poor do not put abortion as their number one issue. And you know what else I've noticed is pretty interesting too? If the Democratic Party cared so much about women's rights, why didn't they codify Roe v. Wade in law decades ago? Under Barack Obama, when he ran, he said it would be the first thing that he did. Then he got in and he said he couldn't because of Lieberman. Uh But... Even Ro Khanna himself admitted to me on my show that what they should have done was abolish the filibuster, which they had the votes to do. So my question is, if the Democratic Party cared that much about women's rights, why didn't they fix that shit years ago? Do you not understand the problem here? This is well, all a game. I'm not... Listen, By the way, I'm not excusing I'm going to let you know as well, I've talked to other Democrats who, you know what else? Surprise, surprise. They actually think it should be left up to the states as well, not the federal government. The federal government. A woman called in last week. You remember that, Roger? I think you were on this call in. Black woman called in last week. From yeah, you're the independent from Pennsylvania. That's right. And even she said it should be left up to the states. And she said she's voting for Oz and she's voted Democrat in the past. Okay, she's well, voting for him only on the economic issues. Focusing on this culture war issues as the number <clears throat> one issue is going to cause Democrats to lose. Not as many people are as passionate about Roe v. Wade as they think. Okay. The, 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 the dynamic from it. Like in in the beginning, when it was first overturned, there was a lot of momentum around it that mm-hmm. has died down, especially when they started asking people for money immediately after the Supreme Court overturned it. So I thought that was a mistake. And I told Rokana I thought that was a mistake. And even he admitted they should not be fundraising off of Roe v. Wade. You see the problem? Well, most Americans do support Roe v. Wade. Um, 
including Republicans and Democrats in polls. Most Americans or yes. most voters? Cause well, see, I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, okay. Yeah. I don't know if that, what that difference is, but okay. If, if you want to go to economics, right. What's the Republican plan for reducing inflation? I don't know. Here's the okay. thing here. I'm not <laughs> telling people. Wait a What's minute, the Pierre. thing that they've talked uh, about? They've... Stop. Yeah, stop. sorry. I'm okay. not telling people to vote Republican. See, that's your problem. You're that's only not my problem. At, you're only looking at the two parties. You Wait have a minute. To get you just switched on me here. <laughs> you have to get out of this way of binary thinking. You're I... only focused on Republican versus Democrat. That's no, the I'm, problem, Pierre. Well, no, I mean, I what I when I talk binary, I talk about in terms of strategic voting, in which you have to make a choice in the there ballot. That word what again. the hell is strategic voting, Pierre? Do you want what me to explain it? Let's make this very clear. Let's make this very clear. I know one thing, one damn thing that won't be happening. We won't be having eighty billion dollars going out the door to Ukraine. I know that shit. Okay, well. Here's the thing. When you're voting in the midterm and you're in the ballot box and you say, well, OK, let's see if we can vote for Dr. Oz or Fetterman. Right. For control of the Senate. Well, what's the what have they said that they're what have Republicans said they're going to do um, to re reduce inflation? They're going to hold the debt hostage and then they're going to demand cuts to Social Security and Medicare. They said this. So, yes, yeah, so I Joe agree. Biden. So did Joe Biden, Pierre. What? What are you talking about? So yep. There's are video of it. Him? When he was a senator, he said it That's many right. times. It's on video. It's on when? video. Are you going to come after uh, Joe Biden for saying he wanted to cut Social Security Medicare Obama too? tried. When to, did he say Obama that? Tried, Obama tried to yeah. privatize it when he was president. Talking about exactly. KFC, we're talking yeah. about right now. We're not talking about 10 years ago. We're talking about what's no, what plan no, no, is. no, 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 Pierre. Wait a you, minute. See, you want, let me make something very clear. You want, I'm going to be clear about this. You want us to be okay with the crime bill author, the guy who said he wanted to cut Social Security and Medicare, the guy who's accused of sexual assault. You want us to be okay with this guy just because he's a part of the Democratic Party. That shit don't fly with me. Alex, you have to unmute yourself. Go ahead and chime in. This idea of, oh, well, well, the lesser of two evils. Fuck that. Evil is evil. Go ahead, Alex. You have to unmute yourself. You're a speaker, but you have to hit unmute. I don't know if that's happening. Oh, there, there we go. Is. But Pierre, where are you getting this information from? Where are you getting this information that you think that the majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade or... To find a poll, I can you find. Know, I'm a not poll. trying to attack you, but this is just no, absurd. no, no. I, I know it's absurd to listen to. So I just want to know where are you getting this? You want me to find a poll that says what Americans think about Roe v. Wade? Aggregated polling. That's where we take all the right leaning, all the left leaning. We adjust and we look at the real data, and it shows that people do not support Roe v. Wade. They want the states to make their own decisions. Okay, I haven't seen a poll like that. I understand that the wording is very, um, it can change the results, but I do think in the aggregate, it shows that 
they've supported Roe v. Wade and they disapproved of the overturning. I mean, I, I'm looking at a Pew Research article just right now. Majority of public disapproves the Supreme Court decision to overturn Ruby Wade. 62% of Americans say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Pew, Pew is heavily left-leaning. So you need to okay. look at all the polls and aggregate them using a regression analysis, if you know what that is. And that's where you find the actual data. Okay, well, have you found any evidence, aggregate polling that shows... I can, the- I, I can, say, I can say this. Um... I think it has more to do with what Americans, what voters prioritize. So, yeah, do people want Roe v. Wade to stay in place? Yeah, sure. But that it does not take priority over people's personal economic conditions. And I'm not talking about the price gouging that we call inflation. I'm talking about income inequality that was going on before the price gouging that we call inflation. You see what so I'm saying? Do, right. But do Republicans have a better plan than Democrats for that? Do you know what the differences are between their policies on economics? Like, yes, well, the Republicans do have a better Pierre, plan, which is why? to not obliterate the economy. Like uh, we're listen, doing right I know most of politics is not a binary choice, but when you're in the bo- when you're in the voting booth. But I think, it, no, it, no, Pierre, you sound like MSNBC, man. Like, you, you can't, can't pack me. Well, we'll, we'll do the Republicans have a da-da-da. You don't get it. They're both a part of the same system. They're right. both corporate. Exactly. There but is if no the Democrats don't control... Who controls there is no the de- better option when you look? Okay, at who controls the Senate if the Democrats don't control the Senate? It's the Republicans, why it's not some third focused, party. Why are you focused? Because on I'm the focused Democrats. on on actual outcomes. Actual outcomes. What outcomes, okay. Pierre? What, what outcomes? What outcomes? What outcomes? Well, if the Republicans can take control of the Senate, like I said. They've taught in the House. They've talked about holding the debt limit hostage and c- making cuts to benefits. That's a real world effect <laughs> on average people. So, so check this so, out. So, so, check this out. Okay. So, because you don't get all of your policies, you're willing to harm people because the Republicans will be more deleterious to the working class. No, no, no. Okay. So, already. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. Pierre, you do realize working class people and poor people are already being harmed right now. What are you talking I, about? No, You're I agree. Harmed. Do you not realize the homelessness rate in this country has increased in the past two years? People have been evicted. The eviction race has increased. It's getting okay. worse. What's the Republican plan for that? People who, are, people who are already at the bottom who are suffering. I got to tell you, I talk to people who live in the housing projects. They're not thinking about this shit. None of them are trying to come out and vote. I'm just going to be real with you. They're not worried. Okay, but we're talking about. They don't trust it. They don't believe either party. They think this system is very corrupt. No matter who has been in office, their lives have not improved. And you need to listen to those people and stop listening to these pundits on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News who are these coastal elites. And that is mainly where you get your information from. And even some of the ones on independent media, they're all fucking elites. They're not working class. They're not poor. They've never been there. They don't fucking understand. Mm -hmm. So what's the plan for getting a third party 
to have more leftist politics in the near term. You there is no plan for some third party. There is no plan. There is no plan for some third party. What are we just telling Okay, so if there's no What's the, if there's no plan? Just, you then, live in a ballot initiative state. That's on the state Why level, yes. You focus on what can be done nationally. Do you not? Are we talking not, about midterms? What, that's here? what's confusing me. You live in California. You guys legalize marijuana? No. Like, why, uh-huh. why are you focused on what can California be done nationally? This is not, the none people. of these progressive <laughs> policies are going to be passed nationally. You know why? And you know who admitted that? Rokana admitted that. Because mm-hmm. it's all corporate owned. You guys don't believe me? Go back and watch the interview I did with Rokana. Simple facts. It's simple facts. It's proven. I, I understand, but if you're saying the corporate money is worse for Democrats than Republicans, is that what you're saying? I'm saying it's corporate money country. is worse, period. It doesn't matter okay. the party. They're well, both controlled by Big Pharma. They're both controlled by Lockheed Which, Martin and Raytheon, the military industrial complex. You're not getting it. Well, what's, Which is why we party... have what's going on in Ukraine. Okay, well, if you're talking about corporate money, then who voted for what in Citizens United? If you're talking about that and you want to know and you want to say they're the same, which justices voted against Citizens United? And which you're voted still for? talking about party versus party, dude. Yes, we're because that's the reality. We're that's we're living on. No, it's no, it's not the reality, Pierre. You're fucking. Yes, it is the reality. You have to understand, Citizens. You just United said there's no plan for a third party. You just said yeah, there's no. You're because these aren't teams. Why? You vote on individuals. I'm saying here. One second. Citizens United is just a small piece of the pie. That's not the whole fucking pie. So okay, even when part people of the were pie. like, let's, even when people were like, let's like, you know, fight against Citizens United, that's just a small piece. That's not the whole fucking game. All of okay. these politicians are puppets. They are controlled. This is okay, why then I that's, keep telling yeah, you. That's, you a, that's a political system argument. I, I don't have any problems admitting that our system but is fucked up. But you're still trying to work within the system that is corporate and is working against you. You well, see yeah, what It I'm is saying? true that I think that in the near term, absent a viable third party, yes, I view... Oh my God. Election. You're still talking about third party. You you do not understand the strategy of third party. Wait a minute. The strategy of third party, third party is not necessarily not to win. Okay, the but if we're not talking third party, party, then we're talking about Republicans and Democrats, right? Let me if we're not talking third party, we're talking individuals. Well, let me finish what I'm saying. Okay, the strategy sorry. of third party is not necessarily to win or independent. The strategy on the national level, because third parties have one on the local level. This is where people need to pay attention. I've interviewed multiple third party candidates and independent candidates on my show. I've interviewed green party politicians that have won on the local level. This is where we are failing. On the local level, they do win. That's great. I like that. I like mobilization. I think mobilization is great. Pierre, you know what? You got two seconds to shut the fuck up. On the national level, this strategy is not for them to win. The strategy is for them to pull votes away from the Democrat and the Republican Party. Now, who accomplished that? Ross Perot. Ross Perot got 18% of the vote. 
he is the reason why. And people say Bill Clinton, but no, he is the reason why George W. or George Bush Sr. did not win a second term. So they exactly can't be, right. They can't be powerful. If you want the Democratic Party to fucking change and improve, you can't keep voting voting for them for fucking crumbs. You have to vote for the uh, the third party or independent candidate. You have to take votes away from them and wake them the fuck up. Until and do, you do, you do know, that, do you know where Ross? If you keep voting for them, nothing's going to change. Here? Do you know where Ross's campaign money came from, Pierre? No, I don't. The left. Mm-hmm. Okay, they funded but him so that they could steal votes and try to divide the parties because that's you know, the agenda of most parties, but that's because the system is broken. You keep trying to talk about things within the system. It is broken. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do both because I'm able to acknowledge that the system is broken and therefore there should be grassroots activities to make the system more democratic, to allow for a third party. I think that third party is hard because of our primary system and there's certain institutional constraints. Let, let, but I let, think me give, not... let me give you, let me give you the answer. Give me the answer is not a third party. It's no parties. That's the answer. Okay. Well, that's, that's it. Okay. Well then you have to change that whole system. That's not a, something that you can do overnight. Correct. I mean, I'm not, we're talking Correct. about political outcomes right now and we're not talking about decades. I mean, if you want to talk about decades and decades of work to change the system, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm just saying that Let's if we don't talk that. about it now, then who is? Who's going to talk about it? Who's going to do it? If we're not going to do it, who is? I'm just saying let's do the it. Subject on me. You went from saying that the two two parties aren't different. I started going, okay, well, there's some differences and strategic voting in the midterms, and then you start moving towards no parties, which is like something that is very hypothetical and is not something that's going to happen overnight. So I just think that you can have both thoughts at the same time. You have to well, because, deal with because the something can't yeah. happen overnight. We can't fight for them. No, you can fight for them. I agree. I don't like the two-party system. I like I like multi-party systems that they have in Europe. I think we should change to uh, multi-member districts. I think the electoral Europe is going to shit. Look at the euro. Look at the British pound. Europe is going to shit right now. Okay. Well, I think. A political system that allows for more than two parties is great. I just don't think that that can happen unless you change institutional ins, ins, until you change institutions. Um, our constitution kind of set it up in a way where two parties became the natural state of things, um, and it shouldn't be that way. But that's just the way it is. Um, and I think that there have been third parties that have taken over, like the Republicans in the 1850s, but it was very much issue based on the issue of slavery, for example. So what I'm trying to say is those things are possible, but you've got to really do them in a smart way. And in the meantime, I do think there are differences, maybe less so in foreign policy, but domestic policy, I just don't see how the Republicans are better or the same as Democrats. I think you have to make binary choices in a system with a binary electoral system. Um, and you only have to do it... You only what have to do it in the issues? voting booth. What issues? You still what haven't said. What? Men- and I've debunked issues, all yeah. the issues that you've mentioned. On Wait, what you mean like are they different glo- domestically? Global warming, taxes, welfare, 
abortion. Stop one second. Nope. Gay marriage. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop one second. Global warming, which is now called climate change. Democrats are not that much different than Republicans on that issue. Because the Democratic Party passed legislation, which they said would go towards climate change uh, uh, research. But at the same time, they gave a loophole for fossil fuel companies to own their own land to still drill. And Joe Biden still is supporting fracking. Okay. Next, I, next. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you can debate the approach. I think the approach. No, 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 no,
right after 1750, right? The year 1750 in the global climate has only risen 1.7 degrees since 1750, all right? Since before the Industrial Revolution. So uh, why I'm not going to debate the fact on global This is a simple warming. fact, simple fact. You can verify it yourself. So why does it? Why is this an issue that you're even voting on? Why do you care so All much right. about this issue? Let's set global warming aside then. What about inflation? Who? What's the Republican uh, okay, plan? Then we don't, we... Can I say? Can I say something here? You yeah. know what's interesting to me? I noticed Pierre, you keep calling it global warming. No one calls it that anymore, Pierre. Okay. And all of us climate are change. I'll call climate it climate change. change. Yeah, but but no, but you keep. I think you, you kind of you coming off as an op man. You sound kind of like a Fed to me. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm you sitting in my you know, apartment like, in Pleasanton, California. I'm getting op vibes. I'm getting op vibes. You kind of sound <laughs> like a Fed. Like we've all been saying climate change this whole time, and you keep saying global warming. Okay, I'll call it climate change. I don't care. It's not a big deal. All I'm saying is, if you'd want to talk about what if climate climate change is occurring, that's that's a separate issue. So we could do that, but. I thought you wanted to talk about the issues that matter right now. I mean, and economics, we can talk about economics, right? So inflation, what's the, inf- what's the Republican plan for inflation? I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll why, tell you. why do you keep saying, what is the Republican plan? What is the Democrat plan? Do you know what their plans are? Well, I mean, I don't know exactly what their No, the answer oh is God. no, you don't. Oh this guy God. is an op. Okay, but- Pierre, you're an op. You gotta go, bud. <laughs> You got well, I know that the Democrats. No, Pierre. I know the Democrats no. aren't going to plan to cut, cut social gone. spending for in- inflation. Yeah, are and they? I know the Democrats are Pierre, destroying the economy right now, destroying <laughs> everybody's jobs, soaring inflation, horrible CPI, horrible MPI. They're fucking destroying <laughs> our country right now. So, so what? What, what do you ask me? Oh, what's our plan? Are you kidding me? Your plan is Our being plan. enacted right Are. now. Your plan is being enacted right now, Pierre. Your Democratic plan is being done right now and is destroying our country. Okay, Any so plan the, look, is better PR, than your plan. PR, 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 uh, PR, whatever the fuck. I removed him. He seems like an op to me. Um, anywho, is way past my bedtime. I do have to go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I gotta head out. All right. Thank, you, for me on. Thank you, Sabrina. <laughs> Hey,